Log Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you back to this episode of the show where tonight we are daring you to say his name five times. That's right, we're talking about Candyman, Farewell to the Flesh, from 1995 and directed by Bill Condon. But before we get to all that kind of fun and all the sweets to the sweets, I'm joined by the sweetie of the sweets himself, the bold and beautiful, the go Keith. Candyman. Candyman, Candyman, Candyman. Nah, just fucking with you. What is up, everybody? <laughs> almost had us. I was almost waiting for him to show up. Damn it. All right. Well, that's okay. Maybe we'll get to the fifth one at the end of the show. Who knows? But also, we are joined by the psychotic simian, the mad monkey, the prince of Morris Day. Yeah, say his name, monkey. That's right, King. Keeping it funky, keeping it fresh, because the King is taking us on a road trip this episode down to New Orleans. That's why. So tuck in for the next two hours as we will be coming in your ears with horror bits and trivia, horror news, horror movie reviews, and a bunch of other shit that will make absolutely no goddamn sense to you whatsoever. So make sure you listen live. Make sure you listen on Spotify. Make sure you listen on iTunes. It really doesn't matter where you fucking listen, just as long as you motherfucking listen. What's up, motherfucker? <laughs> sexual chocolate. <laughs> oh, yes, sexual chocolate. Give it up for my bed. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody oh, like No. It's good. <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> Taking after kingfish in this episode. Oh. We're about to make it fly. <laughs> Are we going back to the Frenchman? We do it with the French movies, we do it with the Canadian movies. I mean now we gotta do it with these movies that are gonna take place in the bayou, you know? Oh, write that down to the bayou. What, that my girl. That my girl right there, man. <laughs> Gonna have myself a shit po' boy and say la vie up in here, mon ami. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's that's where we're going. And then you know, uh, Hurricane Ida ripping through Louisiana right now. It's kind of appropriate that we're visiting uh, Louisiana in better days. 1995, mm-hmm. we're on this hill for New Orleans Mardi Gras. So yeah, uh, the dean is not joining us because he said Candyman's name five times in the mirror and he got dragged out. So hopefully we'll be able to find him next week when he comes back. I told him not to do it. He said, fuck you, King. I'll do what I want. You can't tell me what to do. And I was like, don't do it, dude. And he did it. And then he got taken away. And I was like, well, see, now I'm going to have to fucking figure out how to get you back from the other world. So hopefully he'll be back next week and ready to go. Yeah. And, and not. <laughs> Knowing his luck, man, he got probably sucked into the mirror or some shit. And then he's surrounded by a bunch of his Swiss fans. You know, they're just all a bunch of buxom blonde-haired women all, Oh, Dean, you're finally here. Oh, let us temper you. Oh, oh, 
look, we brought you some bread from France. Oh. <laughs> so he's just sitting yeah, at a so cafe Dean in France. Like and then Dean angrily tells them all off. And he's like, listen, you know what, ladies? <laughs> yeah. You cannot have me right now because there's no absolute way that I can perform under these conditions. It's disgusting in here. So please clean up. <laughs> oh, wow. Everything smells like cheese. <laughs> Everything is terrible. Everything sucks. This is not up to par with the, with the Dean's excellence. So, yes, yeah, so get it together, girls, please. Uh, this is the Dean speaking. So, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do believe his, uh, I believe one of his heroes is Daddy Longneck himself. So, you know, the Dean goes with the, uh, the clean yo tuna box type of uh, type Oh, of okay. Uh, uh. <laughs> All right. So before we get into to horror news and other things associated with that, uh, what If just aired its fourth episode uh, today, which I did watch. I watched last week's as well. I think that might be my favorite until they top it, because uh, <laughs> What If World's Mightiest Superheroes Died was fucking amazing in every single way. I want my hair to smell like lavender, just like Thor. That fucking episode <laughs> rocked. Uh, the Doctor Strange episode, I wasn't too keen on it, because I'm not a big Doctor Strange fan, so it kind of dragged for me. Uh, I got through it, but it was just kind of like Groundhog Day meets Doctor Strange in a what-if universe. Uh, so I wasn't with it. I just wanted last week's episode again because that fucking was great. When Iron Man died in Iron Man 2 in that universe. I was like, this is great. I'm here for it. But uh, did you guys get a chance to check out the newest episode of uh, Doctor Strange? I what did if? not. I did not. You okay. know what? Yeah. That I kept thinking about today. I kept thinking about today. And I kept thinking about today. And I'm like, oh, i got to watch this at some point. And then I just yeah. never got around to doing it. We have a big storm hitting right now. And, you know, they're talking about well, tornado warnings and flash yeah. floods and all kinds of crazy shit. So it's just like, okay, just kind of dealing with what we're dealing with. And, and that be that. Um, I did watch, you know, I uh, watched the new episodes of American Horror Story. Uh, that that yeah. I did get in, and uh, and yes, I mean in Marvel news, uh, one yes, I do agree that the uh, Hank Pym being the villain in that third What If was fucking oh, phenomenal. Was I want, I want angry Hank Pym like all the time. Um, he was just just fantastic. Uh, but uh, yeah, the, you know, as far as Marvel news goes for me, I shall be returning to theaters. Ticket is bought. Going back to the movie theaters tomorrow to watch Shang-Chi at a 6.30 showing. Woo, all right. Back to it. Back to the theater. Soft pretzels and cheese, baby. <laughs> mm-hmm. Indeed, yeah. Oh, you know, well, I can't say I haven't had anything oh. like that. I just haven't had the movie theater version of it. You know, I've had other versions oh, yeah. of cheese, but I've cheated on it. <laughs> movie theater pretzels and cheese hit different, though. That just hits way different. <laughs> But yeah, speaking of, me in the field. speaking of going back to the theaters, King, dude, you made your triumphant return to the theaters this past weekend, didn't you, man? I did. As I said last week on the show, I was going back because, uh, uh, you know, everything's kind of opening up a little bit more, felt a little bit more comfortable. Uh, a couple big titles coming out at the end of the year that we'll talk about. But uh, one of the biggest ones for me is Candyman. Uh, directed by Nia DaCosta. So I went. Uh, originally, uh, when I showed you guys the pictures on the Facebook page, I thought I was going to have the theater to myself. But then just as the movie was about to start, this old couple sat down next to me, like maybe two chairs down. The woman took out a blanket what? and her phone, and she was on it for the rest of the movie. Just comfy underneath a blanket and her phone. So I was glad she got to enjoy the movie, kind of. She wasn't very happy but about what? it, I can tell you that much. She's very offended. <laughs> but... The, okay, so you walked into a classic ghoul 
theater situation here where you had the entire theater to yourself, two people walk uh-huh. in and decide to sit right by you. The entire fucking theater, down. and they decide to sit right by you. Two chairs down. Yep, two chairs. They could have picked any fucking seat they wanted to, anyone. There was tons of free seats. And they decided, I guess because that was what they ordered when they went online, so they were sticking to their rules. They were not cheating. Okay. They were not just going to sit wherever they wanted. All right, so after no, the movie started, they didn't bother to move away? Did what? So after the movie theater started, they didn't bother to move to an, uh, another spot? No, they, they dug in. They got comfortable, and, and the woman took out her phone, and the husband fell asleep. So, yeah. You know, they, what? They, they came to a movie, but uh, the, the woman <laughs> was quite offended. I don't know if she knew what movie she was going to see. Maybe she thought she was going to see the Sammy Davis Jr. biopic. Candyman, which is, this is not. Um, but no, she, she was quite offended <laughs> by, uh, yeah, quite offended by how they, they handled, how, uh, you know, the, the problem of race in this country. The woman is obviously how, not happy. How do you know uh, your um, a person in the theater here who was offended? Uh, well, if, so that's the end. Ask, spoiling. I'm not going to spoil what it. What ethnicity was yeah. said person? Were they a person of color or were they a white person? Okay. Just, just asking what to do. Hard, hardcore white. It was a hardcore woman huh. in her 60s, uh, and her husband looked like he was in his 70s. Uh, so not the, the age range for this particular movie. Um, but uh, so, no, without spoiling anything, no. Uh, they uh, were, the woman was particularly upset uh, because she says that we don't live in a country where these things happen. She's like, that's just all fiction. And I was like, oh, okay, well, no. No, what happened, what? Uh, it's kind of accurate. They were kind of being honest about what happened. She's like, oh, I don't understand this whole thing about that. How, how they are so offended, how they, the, the, the white people created ghettos, excuse me? She's like, I don't even know why I bought tickets. I don't even know. I was like, yeah, I don't either. I don't either. <laughs> what the heck what, is so bad? What movie did you think was you were going say, to see? Was she saying this shit during the movie? No, after. No. She waited until the oh. movie was over. And I stayed because Thank they you. had this whole, like, shadow puppet show during it at the end of, of showing you crimes that have happened against black people throughout the, the, you know, the whole run of the U.S. So I stayed during it, and she got up and just visibly upset, was just telling her husband, I don't understand it. You know, I don't understand why they have to make it seem like this is, like, what they go through. They don't. They don't. Ugh, what a terrible movie. Good thing it was only an hour and a half. I was like, oh, man. <sighs> I, I wanted to just have a conversation with her about it. I honestly wanted to sit out in the, in the lobby with her and her husband and just have a conversation about it. Like, why they, they felt so compelled to be so angry about it and just have such disdain for what they just saw. I mean, I don't know, I don't know what movie they were thinking they were going to see. I mean, I, you know, yeah, it, it has slasher elements to it. But I think, you know, more so as a whole, there's a lot of conversation to be had with what goes on. And, and it's not – the thing is that Candyman, I think a lot of people had a problem with it because they said it was too uh, woke for them, that it's just too okay. in their face and woke with the message. No, Black Christmas from 2019, that's woke. That's a movie that negates the story because it has a message to tell about toxic masculinity. So the story goes out the window, this plot takes over, and it's the whole thing of toxic masculinity. Candyman was just being honest about how African Americans are treated, especially in the ghetto, and especially how class relates to color. And it was just having a conversation about it. And don't get me wrong, Yaha Abdul-Mateen II, who plays Anthony in the movie, he's very bougie. He's a very bougie man when it comes to art 
and living in a very nice apartment where Cabrini Green used to be. His girlfriend speaks French. She's an art gallery curator. So it's not like they're sitting on a stoop chicken 40s going, man, what about that candy man, man? No, they're not. <laughs> they're having conversations about, you know, race and about the ghettos and about poverty and all this stuff. And I don't know. I guess they just weren't ready for it. I don't, I don't know. Maybe they just didn't want to hear about it anymore because, there's, you know, it's, and it's not like it's a Black Lives Matter movie at all. It's not. It's just it's having honest conversations about it where it's like this stuff happens. We need to acknowledge that it happens. You know, and, yeah, and it's okay. not going to change overnight, you know, but it does happen. Yeah, uh, okay, so uh, that being said, um, you think this is de- definitely a movie people should be seeing right now then in the state of the nation that we are in? I think everybody should see this movie. Not just because it's a good movie, because it is. I just think that it's just an entertaining movie, and I think it will lead to good conversations, you know, whether you agree with it or not. I think it will open up the, the door to conversation as far as, as what we are going through as a country and what we have been going through for you know, the past couple of decades as it pertains well, to, I mean, to I race and color. If I can weigh in, because, I mean, obviously, listen, we're not a, we're not a political podcast no, not in any way. But, you know, I, nope. I know these things do come up, and especially because we deal nope. with films – and a lot of films, especially these days, you know, they're using the art as a means uh, of discussing these things. And like you said, these things are right and open for discussion. Um, the one thing I will say about this that, that I kind of feel like with, with the way they're doing it and, and why mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people are probably getting, you know, obviously we can say that the people are leaning on one side or the other. We don't know. We don't know what their yeah. political, you know, affiliation was in any way. But the one thing I will say as far as, like, the people thinking that it's woke, thinking that it's this, thinking that it's that, like, yeah, you're right. This should open the door to conversation. But what we right. have seen in the last few years in particular, there is no conversation to be had. You know what I mean? The one side already agrees and knows exactly what it is that you're talking about. And the other side doesn't want to hear it. You know, so unfortunately, whereas there there is a message that, that could be open discussion, but it's only going to open that discussion if that other side wants to hear it. And unfortunately, it sounds to me like people are more interested in getting offended by this film than they are in actually seeing if there's any conversation to be had about it. And again, that's, that's unfortunately mm-hmm. what is going on in this country in general these days. So, and uh, yeah, just so a from a horror, I'm sorry, monkey. What? No, I was going to say good point. Goal. It takes two people to actually have a conversation and it's, yeah. you know, and on the flip side, it takes two people to have to listen on both sides. Uh, you know, is all I was going to say, King, go ahead. What were you going to say? Um, but from a horror standpoint, just talking about the horror of the movie, the movie was shot so fucking beautifully. Like, if you guys get a chance to see this movie, they, Mia DaCosta really has a good eye for shots. Like, oh, there's a nice. particular death that happens that's silent, and it's shot from afar, where you just go, there's no soundtrack, there's nothing happening. But you're seeing it unfold as a, a, a fadeaway shot, and it was just fantastic. Um, you know, the gore is there, but it's not like a bloody-filled horror movie. Um, body horror is definitely a thing. I got definite uh, David Cronenberg The Fly vibes from a lot of it. And if you've ever seen that movie and then you go see Candyman, you'll get what I'm talking about. Um, But it's also the fact that the Candyman, he exists inside of the mirror. 
in this movie. So when the kills are happening, you'll see Candyman in any reflected surface, but you won't see him in the actual moment. So you'll see somebody being lifted off the ground, like they're just floating in the air, but really they're being attacked by Candyman. But you don't see that unless you're looking in a mirror. So I love the fact that they kept him in this world of the mirrors. So he's not like a physical presence in the real world. He only exists in the mirrors. So he can appear and just slit your throat and it'll look like nobody did it. And it's just, it's amazing how they handled that to keep him in the world of the mirror. Like he, he can't appear to you physically. He can only appear to you in the mirror. He wants out of that. He wants out of that mirror, but he stays in it. That is cool. And now I'm going to ask you and ghoul bear in mind. I'm going to ask you the same question next week after you go to Shang-Chi. I, uh, because we got your opinion about the movie. How, how was the movie going experience? in general with, you know, the, the state of the way things are and all that kind of stuff, you know, social spacing, you know, how, how, like just, you know, like, you know, how are they handling food, all that kind of weird shit, you know, like, did, did you feel safe in the environment and all that kind of stuff? I mean, I did, you know, I mean, they, I, I only got popcorn and a soda. So, I mean, that was just easy enough. I did see that the, the old couple brought their own food. So they, they were covered with some kind of a weird salad and some kind of weird Tupper bowl. That they brought, so what? they had their own. Yeah, they, they brought their own they, little Tupperware thing. It was like, they brought know, a like fucking a Wegmans salad. What? Like Wegmans, like yeah, pasta salad or something. Yeah, I don't know. I, I well, smell terrible. The, here's the thing, though. You know what? I, realistically speaking, the movie theater might not even be able to argue with that at this point because you know what? <laughs> yeah. With this, with everything going on with COVID, hey, we don't want to touch any of your stuff. Blah 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 blah. So they're probably yeah. letting little things slip. Uh, here's what I can actually say as of right now. Uh, my movie-going experience tomorrow is going to be a lot different than The King's. Uh, my theater, mm-hmm. as of right now, there really weren't a lot of seats left open. Um, I actually chose oh, wow. 6.30 because it, it did have, like, the 6 o'clock pretty much only had, like, front rows available. It doesn't look like they're making people split as far as seats go because it looks like seats are taken mm-hmm. You know, with people right next to him. I did end up, uh, like, the seats that I took, I made sure that there was a space between me and whoever's next to me. I hope I don't have another uh, situation like I did with freaking Rambo, where somebody decides to take the seat right next to me and then fucking cuddle with me for the rest of the movie, even though, you know, the guy was a nice guy and all. Um, You know, but... Yeah, we'll, we'll see. So I do know that the theater is going to have more people in it. Uh, I, I'm vaccinated. I'm not really worried about it. Um, you know, I, I know they're saying now that it looks like like the whole Delta thing is kind of plateauing anyway. So I think, uh, yeah, I, I think it's on to whatever the next big worry will be. Okay. Um, but again, I'm gonna. But, but again, I'm gonna ask you this question again next week because I also want to know like you know, how people are acting with each other and all that kind of stuff in theaters just because, you know, that's what we do is we sit there and talk about movies and talk about movie theaters and especially you, Ghoul, you know, you know, this is your love and, you know, you're wait. finally going to get back. So I, wa- so next so week I want to know everything, okay? <laughs> just saying, I want to know everything, okay? I feel like a virgin on prom night at the moment, okay? That, that's how excited I am for this. <laughs> I know, that's where I felt Friday night when I was going to see, I kept telling the, the monkey, I'm going to go see Candyman tomorrow, like, you know? It's yeah. Crazy. It's like you're going to get fucked on prom night. Like, you just can't, you're so excited, you're nervous, you don't know if it's going to be good, you don't know if it's going to be bad, you just want to have fun. Like, it is, it is such a weird feeling to have 
you know, of going back to the theater. Like, it, again, like you're going to get laid and you don't know what to expect. I know when Candyman ended because it had such a great fucking stinger of an ending that when the soap glass, it was always you, Helen, scene kicked in, I fucking stood up and clapped and I want to look up to the other couple. I'm like, ha, fuck you guys. That was a fucking great goddamn fucking movie. Like, you know, and I was like, God damn, that was good. You know, while they're gathering up their blanket and shaking their heads and going off to whatever meeting they're going to go to. You know, I don't know. But, you know, I just, I had a great time, and it was just, it was fun. And I, I kind of liked it that there was nobody in there. But even if there was, I just wanted to see some reactions. Unfortunately, I didn't get it. But uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about real quick as we get into horror news is that Candyman that just got released last week, number one at the box office as of this date, it's made uh, over $25 million dollars. Uh, so this is one of those things where I say it kind of was a caveat because Nia DaCosta, yes, I'm so congratulating her for being a black female director who has a number one movie at the box office, but at the same time, it's going to kind of rain on her parade a little bit because she directed Candyman, which is an established property. Great. She did a great job. I think it's a fucking excellent movie. But I kind of wish that this had been something original and new and fresh and that she would be getting more accolades for being the first black female director to have a number one movie at the box office for an original idea and not from an established property. Doesn't make the accomplishment any less diminished, but at the same time, maybe I'm alone in this, but I think that I would rather see her have something original at the box office to kind of, you know, rest her laurels on. So, okay, so that being said, then, do you think this property well, uh, that you I, saw I agree, could well, have been written with you on that? Just, yeah, so you know, just, oh. just to say on that, I, I, I know that uh, Dugan had uh, put something up regarding that as well. And again, not to knock her accomplishment. It is a great accomplishment, but that's exactly what I did say. You know, unfortunately, this is just another case in which, you know, somebody took a property that had a built-in audience and, you know, it's a, uh, and unfortunately too, I know what's going to happen is the excuse is going to be, oh, well, Marvel put out a movie, so that's why the drop-off is so big. I really almost wish this did come out with Shang-Chi maybe being another week or two away. This way we could see the legs, because I think what we're going to see this week, no matter what, Shang-Chi or not, I think we're going to see a big drop as far as the the viewership goes for the film. And that's just what's Mm -hmm. going on with theaters in general right now. You know, everybody wants to cry about that, you know, with the whole... uh, Scarlett Johansson thing, but the reality is, is movies, they, they do well for the first week, and then that's about it. Yeah. Not everybody's going to theaters again yet. I'm sorry, Monkey, uh, go ahead. What are you going to say? Yeah, Monkey, go ahead. Nah, yeah, I was just going to say, with what you saw, um, you know, and then we'll wrap up Candyman, is the whole thing of, from what you saw, definitely, definitely a Candyman project, or do you think this could have been rewritten to be an independent project? No, this was definitely Candyman. The, through okay. through. This was, and why I say that, I say it as a pro, because Nia DaCosta and Tim Whitfield and Jordan Peele put this script together that is such a fucking love letter to that 92 film. Like, they do not ignore okay, it. Cool. They, they appreciate it. They never let it go. They talk about Helen Lyle a lot. They even have recordings of her from 92 when talking about Candyman. You know, they, they do not let it go. They don't let you forget that that happened that in 1992, this did happen in Cabrini-Green. Now Cabrini-Green is gentrified. So, they, no, they fully embraced it. It wasn't like they were like, fuck that, it didn't happen. Like, we're doing our own Candyman thing now. No, they, they fully embraced it, you know. And, and yeah, is Tony I- Todd in this new Candyman? Stay tuned. I, I can't. Everybody's asking me if he's in the fucking movie. I'm like, let's go see it. Let's go see the movie. 
Like, and then you'll find <laughs> which, out. Which, which, answers the, which answers the question, unfortunately. You shouldn't have brought it up because now it's already answered. Um, well, yeah, I mean, everything that I just, just the, the film lists, lists this movie as a sequel to Candyman. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like this is it's one of those cases in which they took the property, ignored the sequels that have already come out, and they just made their own sequel to it, as we're seeing with a lot of horror films right now. Yeah, it's, it's not a problem, you know. Um, but you know, speaking about when it's done right, movie, it's not a problem. When it's done like shit, then it becomes a problem, and then we end up talking about it, ranting about it on the show, which is what we fucking do. But no, <laughs> it's like I've it's like I've always said about reboots or spiritual sequels, whatever you want to call them. As long as you have reverence for what came before it, then I have no problem. Like as long as you can make something new but also keep in mind that that original project happened, then I am there for it, and I'll support it. Like, I love the Evil Dead remake from 2013. I'd fucking tell that to anybody that wasn't. Because mm-hmm. that was, again, a, a film that embraced what came before it, did its own thing, had fun with it, and it was good. It wasn't saying we're being better than Evil Dead or we're going to make an even cooler Evil Dead. They just wanted to make an Evil Dead movie in that universe. So there was no ash, there was no anything that could really upset fans, and that's what I appreciated about it. If you could do that, then you've got a winner. And that's what I think Candyman's so good. Yeah, and that's, well, that's exactly right. how so I like feel about the 2019 that. Friday the 13th movie. You know, but yeah, exactly. sorry, Gould. Another great Go ahead. 2009 version. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah, thought that was a, a fair fair remake again. For me, that movie, the first 20 minutes is what's fantastic. The the rest of the film kind oh, of yeah. trails off a bit for me. Um, but yeah, you know, like that, that's like you brought up with the Evil Dead movie, you know, with, the, with that, whatever they want to call it. I guess it's kind of yeah. a reboot remake um, since it's its own universe. You know, that's one of Re-imagining. those where it's like, okay, <laughs> I can see where they put that movie together and they try to identify it as its own film. The problem that you're going to run into is you're going to have people who are going to say, well, that's just like the Evil Dead. I mean, they might as well have just made an <laughs> Evil Dead movie. You know, so you're kind mm-hmm. of in a no-win situation with some of these franchises with that. And I know I bitch about that all the time. I'm like, oh, you should have just stuck your own fucking name on it and made it its own thing. I'm really only that way when you have a movie that really goes so far from the source material. And realistically speaking, the major reason I complain about it isn't really in honor of the original stuff. It's so that these films can establish something on their own. You know, before Friday the 13th, there was no Friday the 13th. You know, before Halloween, there was no Halloween. You know, establish your own franchises. Let's give ourselves some new stuff, not keep relying on this old shit to rehash it and then complain about it. Mm -hmm. Especially because because we've seen so many out there, you know, that were good. They were solid, (laughs) but they didn't quite deserve that tag, and they would have been perfectly fine as projects on their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, kind of like the uh, the big news that just came about. Uh, Fetty Alvarez produced Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, the movie that's coming out, uh, directed by Robin Garcia Blue, which is picked up by Netflix for foreign uh, distribution, not quite for domestic. Now, keep in mind, this is a movie that was supposed to come out this year. You know, Fetty Alvarez last year said that they were aiming for this year for it to come out, that it's going to have the same feel as the first one. It's going to be a spiritual sequel, kind of like Candyman did. But they've got nothing to promote it yet. You know, none of any kind of promotional posters or teasers or, or nothing. But yet Netflix has picked it up for, for distribution in uh, foreign countries. So I don't know when we're going to get to see this movie, but I think that's a perfect example. Let the fucking chainsaw rest. It's out of gas. It's time to bury it. I love Leatherface myself. Big fan. But enough of these fucking movies. 
They just they haven't go. made a really good one ever since the first one. Go get him, cuz. <laughs> oh God. Uh, listen, she's you know, hot. That's a, she's hot, well, man. That's a, yeah. You know that's that's the only thing that keeps me going back to that movie. And uh, she did an interview recently because she was in, she's on the White Lotus on HBO, which is a series, and they were asking about her career and about Touch Chainsaw 3D. And she said that she really didn't want to say that line. She was so opposed to it. She said it's silly, really? dumb. People are going to laugh and walk out of the theater once they hear that. But for some reason, the studio that was behind the film said, nope, nope, that is our moment. That's going to be the trailer moment. That's going to be the moment in this movie that people are going to stand up and clap. As soon as you say, go get them, kids. No, it wasn't. It was the moment that nope. you want to walk out of the theater. <laughs> so she was like, she was yeah. 100% right. Because I was yeah. enjoying the movie up until that point. I didn't have a problem with it until that line where I'm like, you know, I'm out. All right. And, you know, no, it's just like trick-or-treat, motherfucker. It doesn't work. Stop making these catchy fucking catchphrases. The characters are say Like, it's just not good. It'll play out. But uh, I don't know. I mean, it's, you know. But, yeah, let Leatherface die. You know, luckily there's no talk about any Freddy Kruegers in the near future. Because of that lawsuit on Friday 13th, so we're not going to see any of him for a while. So Michael's just doing the fucking dance right now because he's like, I'm back. Nobody can touch me. Got another one coming out next year. Like, you know, Halloween ends. Like, you know, come on, go see it. You're not going to see Freddy or Jason anytime soon. <laughs> so, you know, break dancing with his fucking knife. So excited to be there. Like, you know, but so, and that comes out next month. I know because Ghoul and I were talking in the group chat about the movies that are coming up that we're going to go see. I thought I only had two left, but unfortunately I got fucking four. So thank you for reminding me, because Venom, Let There Be Carnage, comes out the same weekend as Halloween Kills, so that's going to be a double feature weekend for me, unfortunately. Uh, and then Ghostbusters, and also Spider-Man, uh, No Way Home. So I have four left. He has five, I have four. But either way, the goal and I are going to be busy at the theater going into the end of the year. <laughs> but thank you for reminding me about those two films. I forgot, so i got to put them back on my radar. The theater. <laughs> you are very welcome. Speaking of stuff that you put on the Talking Terror page and movies coming out, dude, I am totally excited that we, Expendables 4 is on its way. I'm, like, so fucking stoked Are about you? that movie. <laughs> it's it just, I, like, I, I, it's just for me, it's just, it is what it is. It's nothing great. It's nothing stupendous. But it's just a great mashup of just you know, action heroes thrown together, you know, or action movie heroes thrown together into just a one big-ass free-for-all action movie. I love every fucking one of them. They're always a fun fucking ride, and I'm, I was so happy to see that you put them on the Talking Terror page that they are finally working on another one. Yeah, they, they are doing part four. It's going to come out in November of 2022, and the people joining the cast are 50 Cent, Megan Fox, and Tony Ja are joining the Expendables cast for part four. So, yeah. If that doesn't say, here I come for part four next year in the theater, I don't know what does. I always saw <laughs> yeah, the first two, so I can I still haven't watched the third one either, and I've owned it, I've owned it for a <laughs> while. Um, my, uh, my, you know what? I could care less about 50 Cent. I could care less <laughs> about Megan Fox being in this movie. Uh, I do love Tony Shaw being in this movie. Oh, God, that, yes. That, I am a big, uh, I am excited for that. Yeah. Well, he was, was in the third okay, one cool. for a small part. It, yeah. His part was very, very small, but he was in the third one. Uh, see, I haven't seen the third one. I, I, know I, I haven't, I haven't watched either, it. So. Yeah. Okay. Was sad, but, 
but yeah, that, that's what yeah. that's what got me excited about the third one was that they brought him in on the whole thing, and I was like, oh, that that is awesome, you know. But I, yeah, but oddly enough, no, no, uh, oh crap, what was her name? Is it uh, man, who is the chick from WWE that went there in the third Ronda one? Ronda Rousey. Okay, Ronda Rousey. Yep, Ronda Rousey. Yeah. Rousey. So it's funny. It's so it's funny to hear that you know she's not in this one. <laughs> Yeah, I guess she just ducked out of everything, man, when she decided to become a mom. She's like, not me involved with anything anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she, she's a mom, and she spends a lot of her time just trolling, like, wrestling fans and stuff like that. So, you know, she's busy on her socials, you know, just making fun of wrestling fans and, and calling them bullshit and everything like that. So, no. <laughs> I don't think you're going to see wow. her in ring anything soon. Yeah, she she does a lot of trashing. She does a lot of trash talk. When it comes to when it comes to that stuff. So if you're if you're sensitive, I, I wouldn't recommend looking at a lot of her tweets when she responds to wrestling fans. It's, it's not pretty. But I don't think, I I mean, think listen, it's great. I think it's great trolling. I am sure. I mean, again, you're talking about somebody that is, and I'm, I'm not saying anything about who she is as a person, but I'm sure it didn't feel good for her coming off of being, you know, a somewhat respected MMA star. It probably didn't feel all that great being that the WWE fan base never really accepted her all that much. And unfortunately, you know, the reality is that's because she was a gimmick. We knew that. Yeah. And she was yep. a bad gimmick to boot. You know, like, again, they, they could have yep. went so many better directions with what they did with her. But because they wanted to keep her a face, they wanted to keep her a good guy. They just did not get creative with her character, and that would have made for a much more interesting thing. And I think she would have had a lot more respect from us fans. Yeah, I, I know that, that Piper had a lot of respect for her, and that was her whole angle, but just didn't work out, like you said, Ghoul. This, the, the whole rowdy Ronda Rousey thing never – she couldn't sell it right. You know, she just – she I don't know. She wasn't very good on the mic. You know, she was okay in the ring, but at the same time, we all knew what was happening. She was getting a slam push for that title, you know, because she was the big marquee name, Ronda Rousey. So what better way to do it than to just give her a title opportunity and have her win it and then just walk around that title for almost a year, you know, while she just mean mugged the camera and just kind of smiled every now and then and mean mugged the camera. Like, you know, watch some Roddy Piper tapes. Like, you know, that's the only advice I would ever have given her when she was in. Just watch some Piper tapes, and that will teach you how to cut a promo. Like, if you want to know how to be good on the mic. Because if you're, if you're embodying Ron, if Rowdy Roddy Piper, then you need to watch how he can cut a promo. Those were the worst. It was always just, I can kick your ass because I'm strong. And he'd be like, okay, well, let's do it. And they fought. Like, it's just, there was no banter. There was just good. She's, yeah. I don't know. That's like saying, though, somebody can watch movies and become an actor. You know what I'm saying? Some people just yeah. have the yeah. ability to do that. Piper was able to emit, emote that in a natural way that made you feel like that's his personality. You know? um, mm-hmm. I think, unfortunately for Rhonda, again, like I said, she needed to come in like a heavy, come in with the idea of she's going to have a, a manager of some sort, somebody to get on the microphone and do all the talking, very much like a Brock Lesnar. But her whole gimmick should have been she just did not get the idea that wrestling was fake. You know, let her go in there and, right. came, you know, and fake her people in the ring. You know, have the heat generate from, you know, somebody else being like, well, I'm not going to wrestle her because, you know what, she's injuring us and this and that. They could have totally built a storyline around that. And, yeah, oh, that she would have become awesome. – mm-hmm. 
and it would make sense with her character coming yeah. from the MMA background. Yeah. But you know what? Mm-hmm. That's not what they did. She wants to be a good guy, and you got what you got. And now she wants to bitch with the fans no. about it. So, Oh, dude, that would have been such a sweet storyline. <laughs> it would have been great. Damn. It, it would have worked, but that's why it works better with Becky Lynch. You know, I know that there's not a, a – I don't know a lot of Becky Lynch fans aside from myself, but that angle worked so much oh, better for her as the, the hyper version <laughs> because when she got tagged unintentionally by Mia Jackson in the ring because she busted her face wide open, she took it and ran with it. Her face is covered in blood, and she's running up and down the, the arena steps. So, well, I'm the man. You know, I was like, see, that's what you need to do, Rhonda. That's what you need to fucking do. Like, look at what she's doing right now. That's why she took your ass for the title. That's why they had to switch it real quick because everybody's like, oh, shit. Becky's not afraid to get her nose broken and fucking run up and down the steps with blood all over her face. And that's not something yeah, that Ronda Rousey do. Yeah, and that was some fucking awesome shit, too, when Bex did that shit. Just going around, bleeding all over the fucking place. You know, the locker room was pissed off as fuck at Nia Jax for doing that shit. But at the same time, Bex took it and ran with it. And, you know, that's the thing is Rousey was not able to sit there and think like that. And just be like, no, fuck it, no. let's just go. So, yeah, if they had done that with Ronda Rousey, like the Gula just said, I think she would have had a much better run. Like if they had done that whole MMA background versus fake wrestling thing, and it probably would have been better. But, you know, they, they, they saw that it was getting over well, better with Becky, and that's why they, they did it the way that they did it. And I'm happy because Becky's still around, and Ronda Rousey's just trolling people on, on Twitter. <laughs> we have what we have. Um, but getting back into to horror news and, and what else we have, um, the Dean's been on a big fucking kick recently. We're talking about the uh, horror uh, musicals. That have been coming out, and even non-horror, no. like Karate Kid. Uh, so there is another one that was already no. around before, but it's making a revival. Uh, this is from Opera Colorado. They're staging a production of The Shining for their 2022 no. season. Uh, this operatic <laughs> adaptation is being written by Pulitzer Prize-winning composer Paul Moravik and librettist Mark Campbell. The show was originally premiered on May 7, 2016 at the Ordway Music Theater in St. Paul, Minnesota, where it had a decent run that night. I don't, obviously, you could see, one, ran one night, and that's it. Um, but wow. uh, the only other one that got an adaptation <laughs> is Carrie. I don't know if you remember that they had a revival of Carrie back in 2012 on Off-Broadway. It was a musical that was in 1988, then it died, and then had a revival in 2012. To this day, it's still considered the biggest flop in Broadway history, aside from Spider-Man Into the Dark. Uh, so, oh, gee. Know. Hey, yeah. <laughs> you know, the Shining is going to be on, on an opera. So, I don't, I don't know. I can't see that either. But, uh, you know, Dean, if you're listening, hey, we got another one. I know how you love the musicals. <laughs> Some reason he finds all these. Yep. <laughs> um, yep. Man. Wendy, Wendy, it's Wendy. Just- <laughs> Wendy, Wendy, what have you done? Wendy, Wendy, give me the bat. No, they've got to update this, and it's got it can't be rock music. It's got to be like rap. They've got to put this into like an R and B rap style flavor. You know, like let's let's really flip the entire script and, and really make it like a a, a, a real bopper. You know. Like yeah. Oh, working no play, make dick and dope boy. Oh, working no play, make dick and dope boy. Yeah. <laughs> that's gonna be fifty cent up on stage at Jack's Orange. <laughs> play for play, Jack. 
Wave him. Wave him. Jack Thorns, that'd be even better. If he wouldn't know any of his lines, he would just go, yeah, boy. Like boy. And he's like, no, just no, there. that's not the line. He's like, yeah, boy. Like, Is that all he knows how to say? Yeah, boy. <laughs> uh, just, I, I would nah, that. son. <laughs> then you just get Little John and they go, yeah. You know, over and over again in the corner, okay. as you know, little Danny Torrance. <laughs> yeah. No, oh no, 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 no. Then no, then you have him as the groundskeeper. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you're gonna have him as Dick Hollering. Yeah. <laughs> you got the shiny Danny. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Why did you pay five hundred dollars for these tickets? I don't know. <laughs> the ghoul said it was gonna be a bop. And I was expecting a pop. And instead, I, I got this Dude. weird stuff. Nah, man. What's his name has to be... Uh... God, I literally just had the name a second ago in my head. Uh, Morgan Freeman, man. Morgan Freeman's got to play him. God, he's got that voice, you know? <laughs> we get James Earl Jones. You need somebody that's got, like, a distinctive voice to play that character. <laughs> yeah. James Earl Jones in the rap opera of The Shining. Yes. I don't know why I'm here. They said I was going to play Dig a Hollering, and I have Flava Flav shouting at me, yeah, boy. Well, I'm not here for that. Don't you know I was in Star Wars? I was the voice of the Lion in the Lion King. I deserve more as an actor. Mufasa, well, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. You give that, oh, you give that man his respect. I was a civilian actor. I was a fucking Conan. That's a, uh, a prequel. <laughs> is what they're going with now. So we're gonna we're gonna actually see how uh, the, the rivalry between Scar and Mufasa was uh, was formed. I know the king you know, is uh, but, excited. See, so it can make it even better if you have James Earl Jones play Jack Torrance, and then you have Morgan Freeman play Danny Torrance. I'd see that. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mr. Torrance. Danny is in here. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Red rum. I said red rum. <laughs> the rum is red, I have said. <laughs> but the, he, I'm, now I'm just seeing him say, like, standing on stage in the fucking NASA sweater. <laughs> or the, the rocket ship sweater. <laughs> Or the two of them could play the twins. (laughs) (laughs) See, I don't know. I I would say Betty White twice. Just have Betty White and then just Betty White. Just kind of Oh, double her like they did what's face in the the freaking, uh, what's his name, man? Deepak. Fucking, what's his name? Deep uh, Deep Ram or whatever the hell his name is. Freaking Willy Wonka. Not the Willy Wonka movie, but the uh, the Johnny Depp version of it. Uh, yeah, but they also yeah. did that in the other Char- Charlie the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, they also, like, but yeah, with the social network and, and so, on the hammer. So, so, um, so yeah. then you have a Betty White and a Betty White hologram working side by side. Yes. They're holding hands, and it's like, hi, Danny, come play with us forever and ever and ever. Mom, I you have little. seen two dead girls in the hallway. This hotel <laughs> may be haunted. Oh, Danny, stop it. Stop it. You don't know what you're talking about. Mom, <laughs> I'm going to get my fire truck now. I promise not to wake Dad. <laughs> oh, okay. Just be quiet. 
and then we got to get a really big big wheel made for Morgan Freeman to ride around on the set. <laughs> yeah. Gigantic fucking big wheel. And then he has to sit on Jones' lap. Yeah. Now I know they make now I know they make them because I've seen fucking mad videos where people have these fucking giant big wheels and they go like do these big ass downhill races and shit like that. So I know they fucking exist, but yeah, we gotta have Morgan Freeman on a giant big wheel. Yep, and then like I said, you have that one scene when he gets into the bedroom and he sees his dad sitting on the bed, so he sits on James Earl Jones's lap. Are you having fun here, Danny? I am, Dad. We are both acting in the scene together. I know. Thank God we have residual checks from all those sweet-ass movies we did. Indeed we do, James Earl Jones. Indeed we do. Heaven Almighty. I, I want to see the movie. <laughs> yeah. I, just, I want to see this fucking movie now, but you know, who knows? Maybe we'll get it written. And then they'll do it. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> so moving on from that, uh, another property that I was a fan of when I was a kid. It only made one movie, uh, but that was The Rocketeer back in 1991. Oh, yeah. Directed by Joe Johnston, Billy Campbell as Clev Seckard. Um, I fucking loved The Rocketeer when I was a kid. I had the video game, I had the poster, I had the book adaptation. Uh, but apparently they're bringing it back on Disney+. Plus To be determined as to when it's going to be released, but it's going to be called The Return of the Rocketeer. And it's being written by Edward Rincourt. And it focuses on a retired Tuskegee Airman who takes up the mantle of the Rocketeer. I'm just excited yeah. because I thought the Rocketeer was so underrated even when I was a kid. Like, people were like, oh, yeah. stupid. I don't know. I just, I loved it. Yeah. Uh, Ghoul, you're the big Disney nerd, you know, just like me. What did you, you know, how do you feel about the Rocketeer, man? Okay, you know what? This is one of those movies, right, that when it came out, I remember there being, like, a lot of, uh, a lot of hype behind it, and I don't know if I was the right age at that time to appreciate that movie, because I really was quite disappointed with it. Um, you know, I remember playing the game, and, you know, enjoying that, but there, there was that and the Dark Man game. They both came out around, like, the same time. Um, they did, yeah. Funny, mm-hmm. I, pl- I played both of those games and hadn't seen the movies yet. I still, to this day, have yet <laughs> To ever sit down and watch the first Dark Man. I own it. I bought it recently on Xbox, but I still haven't freaking watched We're not it. Um, okay, see, the, see, I'm not the only one who has heard Dark Man. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, with that being said, yeah, so like I saw the Rocketeer back then. Uh, you know, like I said, I just didn't get it. You know, and I know it's like one of those where it's considered a stylistic film. It's very, uh, yeah. it's very looked back upon favorably these days. Uh, it's one that I'll revisit eventually. And yeah, if they're gonna do a series or whatever they're gonna do on D Plus, then uh, yeah, I'll definitely check out the original first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I, yeah, I thought but, it was underrated. Yeah, go ahead, monkey. Um, yeah, like you, dude. It's like we're not because. Um, I went to go see this in theaters. I fucking loved it immediately. It like it just hit all of the right notes for um a movie that that was from Disney and Disney wasn't hitting those notes at that time for live action stuff. And when this movie came out I was like, Wow, nice job Disney. It's just you know, everything put together based on a, a great comic book with really, really solid artwork. Um, and I just thoroughly enjoyed what they did with it. Like, and I always felt like at the end of the movie, I got a bit cheated. 
you know, because I didn't mm-hmm. want the story to end. I wanted it to keep going, like the comic book did. And to hear that they're thinking about continuing this, I'm all for it. You know, I just hope that they are really good on the CGI and, you know, just try, try and keep that within specs and not get too carried away with it and at least just try and keep it nice and clean, you know. But, yeah, I, I, I fucking loved all of the tech that was in it. I loved all of the retro shit that was going on there. And I'm just hoping that they sit there and are smart enough to throw a couple nods to the original comic book series and movie in the, the series. Yeah, I would have, imagine they would have to, just to kind of give that nod. You know, too too rich. Because this year marks the 30th anniversary of of uh, Rocket uh, Rocketeer. So I was kind of surprised to even think about that. It's been 30 fucking years since the Rocketeer. Wow. That movie still holds up. I just watched it recently, and I was like, this movie still holds up. This thing it came out 30 years ago. Fuck! I saw that in <laughs> high school. Shit. <laughs> so I see it. I, like I said, I remember. It, and I remember not being able to beat that video game. I played it so many fucking times, and eventually I just threw it down. I was like, I'm never beating this. I would have been 91. I would have been in, like, eighth grade, I think, when that came out, so. But, yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Eighth or uh, freshman year, one or the other. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with the project. Who knows? You know, I'm looking forward to whatever they do with it. I just I like the fact that The Rocketeer is coming back. You know, this is the type of movie that I would love to show my nephew, you know, The Rocketeer. So he, I think he would just dig it, and knowing that there's another one coming out, I think he would even enjoy it even more, but. We'll see what they come up with uh, when they finally come out with it. So no date to be determined, but I would imagine 2022 is what they're aiming for, or 2023 perhaps. Um, Screen Factory, as the Dean has said in the previous uh, couple weeks, they're going to be re-releasing some of the Halloween films, one through five, on uh, 4K Ultra HD. Uh, In particular of note is part five, because that is going to include the Dr. Death alternate opening where it involves some black magic and a very unusual man who gets Michael's mask and, and brings him back to life rather than having the hermit and having that happen. Uh, so I'm interested in seeing that, just to see how that plays out. But I'm kind of hoping that one day somebody finds the SWAT team footage that Don Shanks, who played Michael Myers in Part 5, swears that he shot, uh, because that's Michael Myers just mowing down an entire SWAT team and using an AK-47 as a fucking baseball bat. So I would love to see it. I know that it existed at one time, but it's probably one of those things where somebody just threw it in the trash. Like, nobody's ever going to want to see this. What? So, wait, okay. Uh, so, 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 okay, but what? So they shot an entire sequence and they just threw it away? Because I, I have no idea yeah. what you're talking about here. So if you could, you know, so you're, you're talking about there was an alternate opening for five where it's like Michael Byers goes around and just beats the shit out of everybody in a fucking hospital? No, 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 no. There's a scene in the film. Yeah, go ahead, cool. There's a scene in the film in which he gets, you know, he he goes into a police station and basically just lays waste to the entire police station. Um, Whatever, the SWAT team or whatever it is. And, uh, yeah, so that, what you hear in the film, what you see in the film is what you don't see. You're just hearing it on, like, you know, on the walkie-talkie bit. So I guess... Now the king can take over. Yeah, that, like, just like the Gould said, they had shot it where the, the Michael was outside of the children's hospital where Jamie Lloyd's being kept. A SWAT team is called in to finally end him once and for all, and then he just mows them all down, just one at a time, just killing all of them, using their weapons against them. In the actual theatrical movie, one of the cops is outside the Myers place, 
and you can hear it over the two-way radio. You hear screaming, right. you hear assault rifles going off. So that's what that scene was supposed to represent. They just didn't think it looked right, so they tossed it. They just didn't really think it worked overall with the movie itself, so they just cut it and just tossed it. So nobody knows if that footage is ever going to be found again, but the alternate opening was found, so yeah. we get that. Okay, so so uh, so this whole scene is just pretty much Michael Myers just going fucking straight up Terminator on a fucking cop station. Right. Yeah. Just completely Terminator and just killing everybody, being the only one left to walk out of this children's hospital where all the SWAT team was deployed to, you know, and being the last man standing. Um, we kind of get it in Halloween 6, uh, the theatrical cut, when he goes into the operating room and kills Dr. Wynn and all the nurses. But again you fucking get cheated because they have a light strobe for that particular sequence. So you just get flashes of Michael stabbing and gutting and cutting and people running around the room, but you never really actually get a good, good look at that hospital massacre sequence. And I always say, even when I saw it in the theaters, I just wish they just didn't pussy out and have the whole, you know, strobe light. Because I want to see it. I want to see it all. I want to see Michael kill this whole room full of people. <laughs> so why are you talking about this, fool? My only thing with, like, this, right? So, like, watching five, you know, obviously I've seen part four and five many times. Um, and, okay, so, like, I can understand their point why you don't put the scene in the movie. Because the one thing is, is and yes, I get that Halloween four and Halloween five are kind they're, they're definitely a different type of animal than the original Halloween is. The Michael Myers we're getting in that film, you know, is much different. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, too, I think having him grab an, you know, a, a freaking assault rifle and lay waste to an entire SWAT team in that in that regards. I feel like it would just be a betrayal of the character as designed. You know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, though, because they did it no matter what. It's just that we didn't see it happen. So, I don't know, I guess. I, I mean, I guess it would be fun to see. It's, I, You know, I'm always going to have my feelings hurt by five because, you know what, six disappointed me. So, at five, which is such a, yeah. such a, a redo of what they did in part four, just bad. That it pisses me mm-hmm. off, you know, because it's just the same freaking movie again, except this time Jamie is spending the majority of the film going. Uh, and so that was me mimicking her doing silent mouthing. <laughs> Until the end, she got her voice back. Plus, that also had fucking annoying Tina in it, too. You know, Tina, I, Tina, where are you going, Tina, Michael? Tina, Tina, there's a doggy. Rachel, Rachel, Rachel. Oh. It's like you could not make a more annoying character than Tina in that fucking movie. Even though she sacrificed herself to Michael to save Jamie, I was like, good, good. Now, if I don't have to fucking hear your voice, which has been just sharp and shrill throughout the entire movie. Mike, I want to pack cigarettes, Mike, Mike. Stop it. I can't wait for Michael to fucking kill you. And he finally does, and it's like, yay. The only person that you cheer for when she dies. Like, everybody else is like, oh, fuck. I guess it's no. Tina's like, oh, man. Wanted to be Michael take care of her real quick. Like the guy in the wheelchair, Texas Chainsaw. Oh, well, oh yeah, come on. You know, Franklin? Yeah, from the second you fucking came oh, Franklin. It's just too damn hot out here, Sally. Oh, my, we shouldn't come out here, Sally. You know, what that man says, he's going to kill me. Oh, Franklin. 
You know, it's like, yeah, he's in a wheelchair. Just fucking kill him. And Bubba gets his chance because he chainsaws him right in half. Luckily, uh, yeah, I think we have an opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, as I close out, uh, go ahead, Monkey. I'm sorry. No, I was laughing at your joke, man. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, I'm just, but when you think about, like, annoying characters, there's always one. Um, even in Friday 13 Part 2, they had the character of Ted, who was a redhead, who pulls pranks on people, and he's like, ooh, you know, I'm all funny and shit like that. You want that guy to die. And he's the one that lives, he goes to the after party. Yeah. He goes to bang the waitress. <laughs> he's one of the lucky ones. And you're like, oh, no, he's definitely going to that, that place afterwards, and he's going to get gunned down by, by Jason. But no, no, he fucking lives. Yes, and no. no but then I, he wasn't yeah. as annoying a character as... The, you know, Franklin, oh, not Franklin, what's his name? And then the third one, is it Franklin again? Is it another Franklin? Oh, God. Oh, the one no, no, Shelley. you're right. Sorry, the, 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 my bad, not Franklin. Yeah, the, the, Shelley, the, the, one the, the one that kept pulling the really stupid pranks trying to hook up with the chick. Yes, you know, yeah, and yes, yeah, I know he's yeah. the one that gives us Jason's, you know, <laughs> yeah. hockey mask. But, you know, at the same time, it's like, that dude, like, they they took the guy from part two and were like, yo, how can we make him even more annoying? Oh, I know. We're going to have him do nothing but a bunch of, like, useless special effects pranks and then just kill him. And make him a desperate version then, at the same time. <laughs> well, and then in part four, you kind of get a reprieve, but there's no really one particular annoying character. So in part four, they had to, I mean, yeah, in part five, they had to double down. They're like, okay, we didn't have any annoying characters in part four. Part five, we're fucking giving you two. We're going to give you Joey, and we're going to give you the guy in the back of the motorcycle fucking screams the entire time. So we're going to give you fucking surround sound annoying characters. Who, Junior? Joey off early. <laughs> but we're going to give you the guy in the motorcycle throughout the rest of the movie until we cut his head off. I love Junior. You're going to have to deal with that. <laughs> yeah. He hurts no, the mama. He hurts me. You get in here and you <laughs> eat my fucking stew. <laughs> right around like fucking meatloaf and Rocky Horror. <laughs> oh, just round and round he goes until he gets his fucking head cut off. <laughs> you know, that's because he got karate chopped by Tommy. He wasn't expecting that. He just he wasn't expecting fucking Tony Jaw to come into the fucking scene and kick his head in. Fucking martial arts Tommy in the trailer park with the neon sign. <laughs> Especially when he has I mean, his flashback moment, you know what I mean? It's like straight up PTSD. Yeah. Tommy! <laughs> die! Die! <laughs> die! Die! More money for It was a different time. You know, it was a mental hospital. They taught Tai Chi at this mental hospital. And at Michael's hospital, they taught him how to drive. I mean, it's a different time. You know, in the 70s, they were teaching him how to drive. In the 80s, they were teaching him how to drive Bruce Lee. You just you had to have to do something and just sit around all day and stare out the window. They didn't teach like, him how to drive. Well, he had to done. learn somewhere. So that's when you go yeah, well, not all end up tying back to part six anyway, and it turns out that he's the guy that taught him how to drive in the first place. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, they even, like, the book that they wrote, the novelization by Curtis Richards, they actually go into that. And they say that he basically just watched Loomis drive him. And he just kind of copied it, like, okay, well, your foot goes on the right for the gas, and then it goes to the other pedal for the brake. So that's how they explained it. He just basically watched and learned. So I guess if you have to explain it, it's fine. But, yeah, it's just I'd rather not know. I don't want to know how he won. He just knows how to drive. 
you know, and then Rob Zombie's like, well, this guy doesn't know how to drive. So we're just going to have him walk everywhere, like, for fucking two hours. We're going to have him walk from one end of the country to the other in a shitty mask <laughs> by a bunch Forrest of Forrest Gump. <laughs> no, no, it's because, it's because Steve, Steve Gutenberg took Lord. Michael Myers and Hightower out for driving lessons. That's what happens. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Lord, I may not be a smart man, but I know what love is. <laughs> Fuck you, Michael. <laughs> Come on, Laura, I just want to love you. I got a whole bunch of Dr. Peppers and some shrimp. <laughs> Where did you even get shrimp in Illinois? I don't mind. I know what shrimp is. <laughs> Lori got the AIDS but, virus. She done got herself <laughs> in trouble. If you ever need me, Lori, I, I could be right here, right underneath this tree where I killed you. Just like it was supposed to happen. Because you remember, was a Remember when I said I was going to kill you? I said it and I, I did it, Lori. I did it for you. I killed you for you. This one's for you, Loomis, wherever you are. This one's for you, Mr. Loomis. Because you've got legs. you got man's legs, Dr. Loomis. Eddie pours out of 40. <laughs> got to pour one out for my homies. All right. Well, back to roaming the countryside like a big old monster. And that's the legend of Michael Myers. According to Rob Zombie. <laughs> Michael Jump. Coming to a theater near you. <laughs> oh my god! Mama said life is always like a box of promiscuous teenagers. You never know what you're going to stab. <laughs> it was all okay. I just wanted to fuck or kill my sister. It didn't matter. <laughs> Totally. We're from the the deep (laughs) south of Illinois. It don't matter around here. (laughs) All right. So if any of you guys have anything you want to add, deep south of Illinois. (laughs) (laughs) The deep south of Illinois. (laughs) All the way down to Hatfield, Illinois. (laughs) (laughs) You've reached Illinois, boy. Welcome to Hatfield. Oh, thank you. Oh, Myers boys at it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that old Myers boy. Yeah, he's he's simple. That boy's simple, but you know he all right. He just likes his Halloween candy a little bit too much. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Him and his sister a little bit too close. So we let that go. Oh, oh. Matthew didn't know y'all. It's okay. Yeah, it's you know, he, like, song, like it's song, a fucking pie. Song in the south, sweet potato pie <laughs> in my mouth. <laughs> like it's a fucking when pioneer. I was there. <laughs> yeah. Everyone just clapping their knee on their porch. When I was dead and had a field, hooray, hooray. <laughs> there goes Michael Myers. Oh no, oh no. Man, we keep our races field, you know, like, over here. Cotton in the ditch. We all picked the cotton, but we never got rich. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty soon the riverboat's going to be coming through old Hattonfield, Illinois, don't you hear? We're all going to have gambling and whatnot. Cotton fields are all rich. Yeah, thank God we live in Hattonfield, Illinois, y'all. Woo! The Midwest is going to rise Y'all want again, some y'all. gumbo? <laughs> What's some of my world-famous Midwest gumbo? 
and order the fine shrimps <laughs> from Prato. Midwest Combo? What the fuck? Where'd you get your goddamn shrimp? <laughs> We're in Illinois, boy. We get our fine shrimps from the Costco. We get the free samples, and then we just deep fry them in a gumbo. Man, I love living in the Midwest. There's going to be a railroad coming through here real soon. Be real trash. Yeah. yeah, 10 years, right? <laughs> 10 years. Heard that Michael Myers boy is going to work on that railroad. Yep, he's going to wear one of those super masks. But, man, that boy's built. Like seven foot tall and shit. Man, I love living in the Midwest. <laughs> All right, we have a movie to talk about, Candyman's 95. Yeah, we do. So I'm going to get into it for mm-hmm. talking about or Haddonfield Midwest stories on the porch, drinking my sweet tea, looking out that window, looking at Dr. Loomis sitting over there. Get off my porch, Loomis. Ah, oh, damn, oh. damn it. I was just trying to get Michael. <laughs> I shot him six times. Six times, I tell you. <laughs> I shot that boy six times. You saw his brain shift. I saw him six times dead. Let me tell you, he did. Let me go look at this here body. Oh, my God, he's gone. He's gone in the breeze, Loomis. Oh, my stars. Oh, see, Lord, just say it. Man, life is tough in the Midwest, y'all. Thank God John, John Carpenter didn't write fucking Halloween in fucking Louisiana. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my stars. That's what he said. Oh, my stars. <laughs> oh, Lord, I'm getting a case of the vapors. <laughs> so we are going to New Orleans for this movie, which is Candyman from 95, directed by Bill Condon, who would go on to direct Twilight Eclipse, which, and then also goes Lionel, too. Uh, oh, shit. <laughs> the, the plot is, is this. Uh, three years ago, the urban legend known as Candyman claimed the life of Helen Lyle, and she is now forever his victim on the grounds of Cabrini Green. Now he's once again summoned, this time by Annie Tarrant, an inner skinny school teacher from New Orleans, Louisiana. However, the legend of Candyman runs deeper within her family than she fully understands, and before she becomes the next victim, she must uncover the past in order to kill the legend. So I had seen Candyman 2 many, many times on HBO when I was younger. Because it was just another one of those movies, midday, that was always playing when I got home from school. I fell in love with it. I didn't even know who Tony Todd was at the time. So my first exposure to Candyman was Candyman Part 2. And then I went on to oh, see really? Candyman 1. And, yeah, Candyman 2 was my first, and then Candyman came after. I remember seeing the trailers for Candyman and then Candyman 2. But Candyman 2 was my introduction to the character. Um, and then, like I said, I saw Candyman after that. I, I do love the first one. It's, probably, it's better than 2021, I always say, like, you know as much as I love the new one. But Candyman 2 holds a special place in my heart just because I saw it when I was very young. And I always love the setting for New Orleans and Louisiana, no matter what movie it is. Just, it's hot. You know, the whole town looks fucking haunted as it is. But plus, this one takes place during Fat Tuesday and Mardi Gras and Ash Wednesday. So there's this extra layer of just, yeah, we're down into it in New Orleans. But Tony Todd is just it's phenomenal as his character. Um, I, for the longest time, I was always trying to say that he should be the next Dracula. And this is back then. This is back in the 90s and early 2000s. I was like, if they make another Dracula movie, he needs to be Dracula. And I was always like, eh, but he's Candyman. I'm like, no, this motherfucker should be Dracula because I think he has the presence and, and the poise to play that character. But I'm a fan. I want to get into it. Bill, what do you think about Candyman 2? Okay, so 
here's the thing. I have never been a Candyman fan. You know, like, I remember when the first film came out. I may have even went to the theaters to see it. Um, I don't remember. Uh, but I do remember watching the film, and just it never resonated with me. I never there's just something about it that just I don't know. It I know it did not feel like all the other horror films of that time, um, specifically the late '80s slashers. And you know, again, like uh, the early '90s was just it was a real bad point for horror films. Um, you know, as far as violent horror films, I guess we could say. We had Silence of the Lambs come out just the year before that movie, you know what I mean? So we still had horror movies, but it was like they were taking a more dramatic, um, you know, more more mainstream look to them, and, and that seemed to be the appeal. Um, so I remember seeing the first Candyman and being like, Bleh. Uh, I do remember seeing this film somewhere in like 96, maybe, 97, and literally I didn't even make it through it at the time, you know, so so this time around I finally like sat down, I watched it, I ended up renting it on Xbox, the uh, the Pluto TV app kept freezing at the same point for some reason, um, right. it was working perfectly fine before that, but it froze, whatever, it was, just, it was quick, just quicker just to do it that way rather than to get frustrated. Um, this movie tries to course correct way too hard. This movie feels like what Whatever it was that the studio felt about the original Candyman, which had its own feeling, this movie feels too like it's trying too hard to go back into that late 80s, early 90s slasher territory, um, mm-hmm. and not in any positive way. You know, this has got all of those trademarks that go with those movies, which, you know, again, I put this up there with, like, Jason Takes Manhattan, I feel, you know? Um, from everything from the settings to, to just every, the, the way the characters perform. That being said, yes, Tony Todd is always fantastic to see on, on screen. You know, anytime we have anything going on with him, I'm, I'm into it and I'm enjoying it. It was everything else around it that was just kind of like, Ugh. Oh, yeah, and I, I have points on that, too. I want to get to the monkey first. Uh, what do you think about Candyman? Farewell to the Flesh. Um, yeah, the ghoul brings up a lot of good points here. Um, I will mm-hmm, say, yeah. like, story-wise, I enjoyed this one more than I did the first one. I, I, mm-hmm. I think it flowed better. There, there were a lot less lulls than the first Candyman. Um, you know, but it's like I also enjoyed... Like you were saying, New Orleans was a great setting for this just because of the idea of longing and lust, you know, and, you know, where the fuck else do you put that as fucking New Orleans, you know, with yeah. the ancient architecture, like as far as the United States is concerned, you know, where are you going to go for that kind of shit? Yeah, you know, fucking New Orleans, you know. Um, um, I also really enjoyed the idea of... The, you know that we had the DJ as our narrator throughout the film. I thought it was a really well placed, you know, not so subtle thing, but at the same time, I enjoyed the idea of them putting another voice in there into the storyline of just to keep pacing to keep you going. Um, <clears throat> when I was watching, I thought there was a lack of gore when it came to the killings and all that kind of stuff, but then. I found out they were really, maybe they only have so much, you know, screen time they could really do. And then when it comes down to the final act, realized they weren't cutting down on the gore. They were just saving it for a special moment. 
you know, and that's where, you know, and it comes full circle when we get, you know, what Tony Todd goes through and his ordeal, and it's like, oh, okay, you were skimming the gore, you only had but so much, and you had to save it for this specific scene. All right, I'll let that slide, okay? Um, I did have some hiccups with, you know, with the origin of the story because, again, we were told, you know, the whole thing of the hand and the hook, which leads to the honey, which leads to the bees, which leads to the ashes, which leads to the building of Cabrini Green, all right? Like mm-hmm. Google was saying, they decided, they were sitting there trying desperately to rewrite this, okay? But at the same time, you know, I'm going to take all that to the side, throw it to the side, okay, because I'm not going to stare and take this as a very linear thing because we are talking about an urban legend, all right? So, again, urban, you know, so I'll take this with a grain of salt as urban legend can change from place to place as it does when urban legend travels, okay? So, again, I took it as this is what we're taking as this region's interpretation of the Candyman, you know? So, I... That's so a way to take so, Sorry, go ahead. Finish, was that finish, cool? Please finish your thought. No, finish your thought, please. Okay. Okay. No, I was going to, like, you know, that's how I was going to take it. It's as urban legend spreads and rooms around, this is the local version of that urban legend. So, therefore, I was, like, letting that go and not taking it as a linear thing as if we're watching Friday the 13th, you know. And then, lastly, uh, again, this is, like, Clyde Barker doing his thing. And Clyde Barker, you know, likes to throw in art into his films, you know, likes to throw in pieces of art. And I like that they kept the art pieces going from the first movie, you know, you know, from the graffiti and all the great pieces of artwork that were going on. And they kept artists going there. So, so art was a big, big thing in here, you know. And, mm-hmm. but, you know, Barker, well, I won't call him an artist. I will call him, you know, a really hard-ass fucking sketcher, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm was, you know, definitely about infusing art into this particular film because, again, with the first Candyman movie, we had all that great, great graffiti artwork, and they found a way to carry that into this movie, you know, through the children's artwork. Uh, Ghoul, what were you going to say? One thing, as far as, like, I I do get what you're saying with the whole uh, letting this be the urban legend variation of this, this region, this was not what the original plan was supposed to be for the sequel nope. to this to this series. Um, yeah, you're right. The director wanted to go in a very, very different direction, and uh, and one that I think would have been a much more interesting way to go. Uh, and the studio just said no to that and, and decided to, to do this instead, which is a shame yeah. because you know I think otherwise they would have established a uh, something that. You know, I, I, I say often it would be nice, you know, if certain things were not just uh, rehashes, you know, let's, like we said earlier in tonight's show, you know, let's establish new properties, you know, they wanted this character to kind of be the African American version of Dracula in a lot of ways, you yeah. know, so and mm-hmm. that would have been fantastic, you know, but instead, like I said, we end up with a uh, with a character who goes from being, you know, in not that he's not intelligent, we obviously don't get to see, you know, the character's intelligence in this film, but he goes from being a, a, a refined man to being a slave, you know, and that's, uh, I don't know, if you ask me, that's more racist in their choice of depicting it that way 
than, than anything oh, else doubt, they yeah. could have done with, with any of these films. That's ridiculous. They could have made this a much, much yeah. better film by just uh, sticking with the original formula. Yeah, they, they could have stuck with the original uh, story of Candyman, because they give you the, like, the origin of how he became Candyman, but like you said, Gold, they tweak it, where they basically say he was a slave and he just so happened to live on the Sullivan house, and that's where we find that Annie lived as a kid, and the slave quarters are back there. But in the original, he was the son of a freed slave, so he was never a slave. He was a, a free man, you know, as he aged and grew older and became a painter. And that was how he, you know, he earned a living was making paintings. So they do that, but then they have to hit you with the, well, he was a slave. But, well, you don't need to do that. You don't need to. Eddie loved the white woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just, it was unnecessary. But uh, right from the get-go, it's just, you could tell the studio was just trying to make a slasher film. Like you said, cool. Like, this is kind of like another Friday the 13th movie or, you know, another Nightmare on Elm Street where we're taking the, the slow pace of the original Candyman where you don't even see him 45 minutes until the movie. Now we're in slasher territory. So now we have to get kills in here. We have to get a higher body count. We have to make him a little bit more vicious, and we have to show him almost right away. Like, they do not waste any time bringing Tony Todd into the picture when you have uh, Professor Purcell from the first movie talking about Candyman and Helen Lyle and how he made all this money off of the new book. You know, well, I have a new book out and it's all about Candyman. Like, and he's just a legend <laughs> and I could say his name into my book five times and nothing will happen. And he does. And he has the whole theatrical thing of, of the hook coming out of the screen and it's his, it's his partner, Tony. But we also find out that Ethan Tarrant, who was Annie's brother, their father was, quote-unquote, killed by the Candyman. They believed he was because he believed the Candyman was real and he was looking for a way to stop him. And, of course, Purcell was like, he's not even real. Like, come on. Like, you know, I, I talked to him and your father was a nut and so are you. And he goes running off in search of booze. And Ethan comes running in, you son of a bitch, and just beats him and, and gets thrown through a window. And that's what cracks me up about this because Purcell goes into the bathroom to clean himself up and all of a sudden you see the light flickering and the door opening and shutting and you see Candyman's there and he guts him, you know, just staring right into the mirror. He's killed by the Candyman. But then the police think that Ethan did it. Well, when did he go into the fucking bathroom? <laughs> he, was, mm-hmm. he was chased off by, the, like, by the, the security. So when did he have a chance to go into the bathroom mm-hmm. and kill Purcell? They were so quick to get Ethan. <laughs> yep, that's it. Got him. Got our guy. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, well, They're like quick, you said, well. they had to they had to give him early. And the one thing I will give them credit for, um, yes, this is the the early showing of the character. You know, we see a quick kill right yeah. here. Um, mm-hmm. But then we don't see him again for a while. You know, because we're not going to see him, we're not going to see Candyman show up again for another uh, until about the thirty five, thirty six minute mark. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so at least they they did go that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. and again, we're talking about we're not talking about the original, okay? We're not talking about we're no. establishing the character. He's established. We know who he is. We know what he does. Yeah. You gotta sit there and throw that little quick cash grab in there. You know, you gotta get the audience into it, man. You know, because again, mm-hmm. we're talking about a well, sequel. Yeah. You 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 gotta get him in there and be like, okay, we're gonna give you a a, a, a quick little Actors, shot. Harder, you know, you know, we're gonna give you a quick, yeah, we're gonna give you a quickie. You know, keep you going. You know, and then nice we're gonna start and get you into the story. Yeah, exactly. You know, and now let's get you into the story. You know, I I like oh, it. I'm not saying. You know, I it's, yeah, I'm not saying it's wrong. yeah, it's just no, no. Yeah, I, I thought it was wrong. an awesome, awesome. 
I thought it was a good yeah. move of let's give our guy again. If you forgot, this is what he fucking does. All right, and now <laughs> exactly. let, yeah. let's get into some story. <laughs> yeah, like it's, yeah, yeah. I, I I didn't say it was wrong to do this, and I liked it too. I thought it was a great way to open it up and have your cold open kill. But it's one of those things where yeah, if you were expecting Candy Man from '92, you're not going to get it. You're going to get a little bit of it, but we're in slasher mode. So, you know, he is in slasher territory. So when he shows up, he's there to gut people, and you're going to see that hook coming out of the chest, and you're going to have a good time. But if you're looking for that love story that you got in the 92 version, you're not going to get it. Candyman's on a mission. Candyman don't fuck around this one. Just wants to get Annie, wants to get the fuck out. <laughs> That's it. I don't have time to seduce you. I don't have time to hang out and tell you how cool you are. I just really, I, I got until Ash Wednesday, and that's like tomorrow, so we just got to hurry this up. <laughs> well, that was one of the weird things here, and I mean, not to like skip ahead in the story and everything, right? You could definitely feel it in the script that there were like mm-hmm. two different ways they went with this relationship between him and this character, and that there must have Agreed. been some version of this where it was similar to the Helen Lyle situation in which there was a romantic entanglement, and then at the same time, you have the fact that this is one of his descendants, this is a relative of his, so you can't have that, and they never corrected that stuff, because there are things in the performance no. and things that he says that it's yeah. like, ew, what are you yeah. talking about, bro? Yeah. awkward. It's very Rob, Rob like Zombie wrote family porn. <laughs> Rob Zombie wrote the script for this, but he's not taking credit for it. <laughs> you know, I'm this one out. Yeah, I'm out. No, but it does get very awkward in dialogue and very kind of jumpy when he's talking to her. Uh, and we were talking about Andy Tarrant, who we get introduced to. She's an inner uh, city school teacher, teaching art to a bunch of students who are doing their own different things, including Matthew who is fully invested into the Candyman legend, knows that he's real, knows that he's in pain, doesn't really know why, and he, you know, just knows that he's an urban legend that kind of hangs around. And then he's like, oh, whatever. Stupid. Uh, you know, just kind of do your thing, though. That's cool. <laughs> he just has no faith in it, even though her father was obsessed with it, you know, as he finds out, you know, that it just, there's deeper things going on here. Um, but I will have the kids know about it, because it's like a bedtime story. You know, a scary story to tell at bedtime. You know, he was killed by white people. And if you say his name in the mirror, he comes for you. And what does she do? She makes a mistake every fucking white person in these movies. I'm going to say it. (laughs) Not sure. Like, no, don't say it. And, uh, you know, don't say that. Just don't. Like, I don't care. Like, yeah, we have fun saying it now because it's a fictional character. But if I'm living in that world and I know people have died, nah. Yeah. Not saying but, his name. But it, but, yeah, but again, like you said, every horror movie, what happens? The white person does the stupid thing. <laughs> you know, all the people, uh, you know, that aren't white are like, bitch, you fucking crazy. You know, everyone's going, don't fucking do it. She's like, no, look, watch me do the stupid thing. And like, yeah. oh, the bitch, the the bitch gonna, thing. the bitch gonna die. <laughs> you never see a black person utter that man's name in this in this movie. You know they all keep that shit tight. Um, you know it is the cop. You know what I mean? It's all, all the people that are saying oh, yeah. it should definitely be keeping their mouth shut. Yeah, no, it, it's and that is a line that's in the new Candyman. And it's not a spoiler, but there's a point where they're joking around about it, and there's this one black character, and he's with his white boyfriend, and he goes, the white boyfriend's like, should we say it, Candyman? He goes, are you saying that shit? Black people do not summon shit, okay? We're in the body. He's like, we are in fucking Chicago. He's like, shut your mouth. 
He's like, okay, sorry. He's like, you just don't say that shit. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, you, you don't do it because you're going to summon him. And, and sometimes Candyman, he works on a weird timeline because sometimes you could say him five times and he'll pop right up and gut you. Other times he plays the long game, like with Annie. When she says his name five times, he's just like, I'm cool. You know, I, I got so much to do today. And, um, nah, I, I'll wait. Yeah, so but he, he, he ain't I'm looking to kill up, her. That's all... the thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, he, he can't, he can't kill her time. because of what she holds. So because yeah, she also but, has but, to get but, in but, there and, and get yeah. after Paul, who, you know, is you know, the, ultimate, the ultimate husband, because he's not like Helen Lyle's husband in the first one where he's just fucking banging college students everywhere he goes. This guy's actually invested <laughs> in his wife. That, that actually paint their fucking walls coral and shit like that. No, yeah. it's like, you know, he's yeah. all about that shit. You know, but yeah, we have that little, but, but we have that little piece of that, uh, you know, as soon as she sits there and does it the fifth time, you know, and we've got our little kid there looking at the window as the bees are starting to come, you know, bees are starting to slowly mm-hmm. come to the window. It's like, and he's like, oh, fuck, bitch, you really just fucking do this shit because this shit is fucking on. You know, he fucking oh, well, knows, he knows, on her he knows the lore. You know, he knows yeah, what's fucking like going on. Hand. You no, know, he and he's like, that's oh. why he put his hand on her hand. <laughs> it's kind of like you fucked up. <laughs> you know, you bitch, you're gonna die. So I'm just gonna pass your hand and then the window. <laughs> <laughs> you, know? you know, and it's also because we do get the, the the scenes of Annie and her husband Paul. You know, going back to her her home that she grew up in, which is all graffitied now. And this is where you get the great artwork of Candyman yeah. with all the candles and all the skulls. And I, that's another thing that I always wish back in the days they had played with. And to have a cult of Candyman. Like, why can't you have a group of people that really fucking pray to him and show them that they worship this guy like he's a god? And that's why they paint pictures of him, and that's why they offer things to him. But they never really quite do it. They just show you the art. Like, they show you there's somebody out there. <laughs> that knows about Candyman, and somebody's reverent enough to put out candles and skulls and all this stuff, but they never really quite do the cult thing, which, you know, I guess yeah. probably would be dumb. Well, they, they would just kill everybody. Yeah. yeah, and you're right, man, because they tease you with it in the first one. They tease you with it in the second one. Yeah. Where, you know, someone's obviously doing something. You know, someone's obviously, you know, built, building sigils here, to, you know, to Candyman. You know, someone is keeping it alive in some way, shape, or form. You know, but they, they never, like you said, they never really tapped into that specific storyline. No, no, they just, they, they always tease you and then they go back to it. Um, but when we cut to later that night after they've had 96, Paul and Annie, which is just him pulling off her shirt and going, oh, and then the next thing you know, they're naked laying in bed. 96 yeah. doesn't really show a lot. You know, that's just, you know, we, we know that they did it because they're kind of naked, but we're not going to show you kind of anything in between. You can't even be like silk stockings. Sexy. Like, they would show you a little bit more. You know, they would show so you some undressing, some sexy stuff. That but... fucking show. <laughs> right? They, they always had a cold open of sex that was, like, on USA at 11 o'clock at night that they was pushing the boundaries. But, no, so uh, Paul, being the excited guy that he is, just has to make the champagne dessert with the strawberries, button his shirt all the way up to the top, having some fun. Yeah. But meanwhile, Annie's in the bathroom, and she's confronted by Candy. Let's be captured. That was the chick thing, man. There was like the, there was because there were two different girls and two different guys. Mm-hmm. I think that that cycled them out like halfway through, and they like they cha- yeah. like they had like a, I think they changed the guy first, 
and then they eventually changed mm-hmm. the, the female after that. And, uh, yeah, no, the first one, though, was, uh, I think her name was Mitzi Capture. It's like a porn name, man. It was fantastic. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, but uh, so we do get our first uh, sighting of Candyman with Annie. And, again, you just have to love the way that Tony Todd knows how to play a scene. Because when he shows oh. up right behind her in the mirror, and then he just glides God. behind her and he just flourishes with his hands and then puts them right in front of her with that hook. You know, you called for me. Like, you know, just, just that deep bass in his voice. So I was like, that's our Dracula, man. Like that, you know, <laughs> that, he's just such a supernatural presence that you can't stop looking at him when he's talking. You don't care what he's talking about. You just fucking want to listen. Yeah, same thing in Final Destination when he, you know, he, when he shows up there. It's like, you know, he has nothing to do. He's just a, you know, couple minutes scene. But, you know, every line that he says, you are fucking sucked in. <laughs> you don't want to fuck with that Mac Daddy. <laughs> that first one. But, no, he shows up and, you know, again, like he tells Helen, you called for me. I came. Let's go. I have to kill you now. And she's like, well, no, I don't want to die. And he's like, well, I'm going to have to claim somebody else then. Guess Paul has to do. And the next thing you know, Paul's being lifted off the ground, fucking one-handed Michael Myers style with that hook sticking out of his chest. Loved it. I think that's a gore scene that I could get behind. You didn't get that in the first game, man. You're getting it here. And, again, it's something similar that we've seen in Barker's work before because just like Pinhead, mm-hmm. um, you know, you have to summon them. And then if you're not the one answering it, he's going to take his fucking blood somewhere else. Yeah. He's take he's that again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's funny because I had that note in mind too. It's like, you know, because he has that presence, the way he speaks and stuff like that is very much pinhead, very, you know, very much stage presence, if you will, you know, yeah. of just being there. And then, yeah, you know, like the ghoul was saying, he's there to take a fucking soul. You know, if you're gonna t- you're gonna be like, no, nah, not today. He's like, all right, then I'm taking this motherfucker that uh, doesn't fill the champagne and the strawberries. <laughs> all right, bitch, how you like me now? <laughs> yeah, so I'm gonna take one of you. He's a keeper. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he was good to you, but I'm gonna take him, and then I'm gonna disappear, and then you know the police are gonna come. There's gonna be an investigation, and I'm gonna go stay with my mother Octavia, who just drinks away her fucking pain, which I totally got behind. <laughs> I was like, serious vibes. I mean, just hanging out in the fucking apartment all day long, just getting fucking hammered with a beautiful view of fucking the city. I mean, yeah, I would live there in a second. What do you think? I'll take my coffee out in the She has yeah. to sit there and go she's through just, aliens and all that kind of stuff, and then she's got to deal with fucking Candyman, too. It's like, no, man, of course I'd be fucking drinking and pilling it up, too. She's going through some shit. <laughs> well, yeah, she's seen some body snatchers in her time, Veronica Cartwright. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the other thing that cracks me about this movie. We're in fucking New Orleans, okay? We have Kingfish who's like, oh, mon ami, daddy, yeah, it's going to be Mardi Gras coming up. But then we have Annie show up, and she's like, hey, guys, um, stop it with the fighting because we're in school now. I'm like, didn't you grow up in New Orleans? Like, your mother's yeah, kind of had Yeah, but, but they're Ivy League. Remember, man, we find out that, you know, they're the silver spoons. You know, the one cop with yeah. a chip on his shoulder. I knew kids like that, man. They used to fucking do this or that, get away with everything. But you would think they would have some kind of a lilt to their voice, some kind of a southern accent. It doesn't have to be Cajun. But you think there would be some kind of a southern accent? And no, they sound like oh, they're you got to change like that. 
You got to change that when you yeah, get to college, man. No. That's where they don't, you no. know, that's where they don't look down on you. Yeah, but also the goal brings up a great point, man. Is they were every league, you don't know what kind of schools they went to to get rid of those dielections, okay? Just so they're that's true too. Be proper, okay? Yeah, which is exa- exactly why the <laughs> cop would have something against them, okay? Because they're not from yeah. Louisiana, that's why. <laughs> yeah, I, maybe Annie, because you know she's a teacher, and and she probably went back because she has a, a loyalty to to that town. But her brother, uh, Ethan, he runs like a repairman. Like if anything, he would have the fucking accent. Like I don't know the check deal. I, when I got there, he was dead. I tell you, he did. Yeah. Like that would be Ethan. Ethan doesn't look like he went to college. Ethan looks like he listened to his dad talk about Candyman when he was drunk. He's like, I tell you, that Candyman's gonna get you. And he's like, Oh shit! What are we gonna do about him, Daddy? Well, I'm gonna kill him. You watch. I'm gonna say his name. <laughs> well, dude, I'll get I, I, like I'm 100 behind you, but like with that whole thing though, because we're talking, you know, New Orleans, all that kind of shit. It's like everyone, like you know, especially like you know the the suburban kids. You know, we should be having some kind of accidents coming off of these kids. You know, something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, but but you know, unfortunately, it's like this whole. You know, they forgot to sit there and include that in the movie. Oh, yeah, by the way, this movie takes place in New Orleans. <laughs> Act like it's your fucking Cajun, kind of, sort of, you know, just a little bit, please. <laughs> well, there are some people that do have that will in this movie, like the, the Kingfish does, and then we'll meet Thibodeau later. He definitely has the Cajun accent down. You know, he definitely is full on, I'm from New Orleans, you know, selling my snow cones on the corner to my girl. Hey, you want some extra syrup? Like, you know, that guy is from fucking Borland. <laughs> you know, he embraces it. But I don't care what anybody says. When fucking Bill Nunn shows up in this movie as Reverend Ellis, it's like, okay, I don't care if he has an accent or not. It's fucking Bill Nunn. That's a yeah. in movies. <laughs> you know, and he's just adding a, just a great chef's kiss to this movie as this reverend who has a son that's obsessed with Candyman and disappears in the night. Yeah, and again, I... I loved the idea of the you know the character of the kid and he's this great great artist like you know fuck i wish i could draw like this kid you know oh, <laughs> this my fucking God, movie. you know and yeah and just you know this is you know <laughs> this is what he calls the studio and it's this fucked up fucking altar to the candy man it's like what the fuck it's like <laughs> dude you're a preacher you know what you let this fucking shit slide <laughs> You're like on the verge of fucking voodoo right here, man. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And he fully acknowledges it. That Candyman is a legend that he knew about it, and so did Matthew. So it's not like he's like, shut up with that Candyman shit and throwing it in the trash. No, he lets his son do it. So I gave him kind of credit for that. You know, he's a a reverend, he's a preacher, but at the same time, he's letting his son express himself and, and live in this fucking closet that he calls a studio. Like, he appreciated it. Yeah, okay. Cool. What are you gonna say? No, nothing at all. No, I'm just just listening. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but but yeah, you know, like me, I had the same reaction. Like you know, as our girl here, you know, as soon as they opened up, she just she jumps back and I, because I was like, what the fuck, you know? Because <laughs> I'm I'm you know, they're, they're panning the camera across. I'm looking for some you know fucking chicken legs, some chicken heads, you know, chicken beaks, you know, some kind of shit where it's like some straight ass, you know. <laughs> voodoo shit going on here. But there was, and at the same time, like, you know, his father, you know, Bill Nunn's character of uh, Reverend Ellis, who's just, yeah, just, you know, he does his things, but we just really don't know where he is. The kids know that Candyman took him. They don't know why, but they know that Candyman's responsible. 
because she called him. And if she had just not done that, this wouldn't be happening. But, of course, you know, she had to prove her point that Candyman isn't real, even though he is, and called him. So it's like, yeah, it's your fault. So if anything happens to him, and it's going on you. <laughs> Blame the white girl. <laughs> the white bitch did it. We were cool. The white bitch, though, she fucking fucked up and called the angry black man. We didn't do goddamn thing. So take the white bitch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Take her, not us. She did it. We did it. <laughs> you know, you know. Then it, it's it's her to kind of have to figure out this mystery of what's going on. Meanwhile, Ethan's being interrogated by police. He's like, I didn't do shit. You know, I wasn't even fucking there. You know, it's the Candyman. Like, oh, whatever. It's the fucking Candyman, right? Bullshit. 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 You know, these fucking cops <laughs> are having no patience for anything Candyman related. Even though, again, he does have a great alibi. I was kicked out by the the bodyguards of that club. You know, that bar. <laughs> Wasn't allowed back in, so how did they get in? I don't know. It's just by grandpa being my me to do it. Well, well, listen, man, those those flights of fancy happen a number of times. You know, considering when she goes to see Thibodeau, right, and uh, and mm-hmm. he gets all fucked up by the candy man. The bees all fuck. You know, they fuck his face up. He gets thrown through a corrugated steel wall. Five thirty five. It's a cop who also then grabs the body and just pushes it down, tearing the wall apart, I guess. I guess that wall isn't steel but paper. Um, But either way, I love the fact that he thinks that somehow this young woman, okay, was able to throw this man with so much force that his head burst through the wall. Through the fucking wall. And I fucking, I love that scene, too. Like when Thibodeau, like we said, uh, when you meet him outside of his snow cone place, he's hanging out with the girl and just being really fucking creepy about everything. And, you know, when you gotta know my father, and he's like, oh, you want some more syrup on that snow cone, honey? Oh, I bet you do. (laughs) I wanted some of that, man. I wanted some of that crushed ice. That looked good. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. When I was watching it, I was like, I need that. He got all that syrup and all that crushed ice. I was like, can you go and take over his business? <laughs> like well, and, it's, and, it's, and, it's, and especially because that chick was especially the king's age, where we're talking like you know in her fifties. You know, King was all over oh. that shit. He was like, oh, he was like, mama, mama, mama. Oh, yeah, Co- yeah. That queen, you do it, yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. But milk snow cone, girl. Oh, with with that blue, with that blue raspberry shit. Oh, yeah. King's got your shit, girl. Why are you coming over here to the king? Yeah, King's got a yeah. comb for you, baby. Why don't you come on over here, like, King? Thibodeau know <laughs> ain't got it for you, honey. I got it. I can put on a silver neck before you go, and I can go Cajun. Oh, hey, man, you want to get some of that sweet, sweet syrup? Oh, I can give it to you. Oh, man, I'm going to taste it like sweet potatoes on honey roast, baby. And she's like, ooh, holy, I like him. Holy fuck, King. You just went straight up Popeye's yeah. chicken on my ass. <laughs> I swear, I feel like I'm listening to Patton Oswalt. <laughs> I'm going to eat your yams, honey. <laughs> Damn. King, King, King got dirty on my ass. That's how the King get that milk on, on the boulevard. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's how I do it on, at Mardi Gras. But. At the <laughs> really is there just to be killed, but he's also there to give you kind of a piece of the story of, of Daniel Robitaille. 
who we didn't know his name in the first one. Now we get a name, Daniel Robitaille. That was that was the quote unquote slave. I, I still don't think he was. But that's going with this Could one. you get more of a fucking slave name too? I mean, oh my fucking god! Daniel Robitaille. <laughs> well, that's definitely yeah. That's definitely something yeah. pride. You know, yeah, um, but you know, he he was a young black man who fell in love with a white woman, and and you know they had a kid together, and his power lies in a mirror, and there's this gigantic painting of Caroline on the wall that he shows to Annie, before the Candyman himself pops in, but so cute the way he does it when he hides underneath the sheet. You just oh yeah, <laughs> he ain't gonna find me under the sheet. <laughs> All the bees <laughs> are gathering on the sheet. And he pulls it off, and Candyman just stands up, and he's like, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Don't motherfucker. <laughs> and I, just, I love the whole flashback sequence in which it's like, I don't know, like, you know, we were making a little, like, the Forrest Gump jokes earlier and everything, but, like, the kid is like, I don't know, you got, you know, Daniel is getting all messed up, and they cut off, they saw off his hands, and then they slather him with honey. And then in comes, you know, obviously early stage animation or CGI, like just a swarm of bees that come on in. They obviously don't sting anybody else. They just sting him because everybody else is standing around watching these damn things. And then Mm -hmm. the one kid, they have to give you the origin of the name as this one kid is just like, Candyman! (laughs) Okay. Like, come on, man. Like, some, don't they understand that some things are better left unsaid? If you allow mm-hmm. the mystery to build on its own, people are going to figure out their own stories to this kind of stuff. And that goes well in, like, horror and things like that. Let us keep wondering. Let us keep thinking about it. We prefer it well, that way, believe it or not. Well, that eats the fucking honey off the side of his face like a fucking asshole. Like, mm, I get oh. to watch a black man die, and I get to eat honey. Mmm. And then the fat white one like, sweet for the sweet. It's like, dude, shut up. Every bee should be fucking attacking him right now. This should be a fucking separate movie where the Candyman comes back and slays fucking everybody that was there. Somebody says his name five times in the year and he fucking comes back and slays every single piece of shit white person there. That's the movie I want to see. Where he just like yeah. takes out everybody. This um, should have been yeah, a prequel series. Because, yeah. That mm-hmm. shows his revenge oh, against them. I mean, that that would have been great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing. When this thing was happening, it's like, you know, is this maybe another possible, you know, Candyman storyline that could be explored? Is Tom going back and exacting revenge on the people yeah. that were there, you know, that fucked him up, you know? And it's like, you know, because we get a story and we get, get get that kind of shit going on. But at the same time, we don't get a revenge story about Candyman. Now, I haven't seen part three, so I don't know if they delve into that direction or not. Oh, no. You know, but no. I definitely oh. think this is... Part three's rough. But I, but I definitely think this is a direction they should fucking go with Candyman. If anything, maybe in a series. Yeah, part three, he, his origins are in Los Angeles. And uh, he's just in paintings. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, Don, Don D'Arco's in it. And, uh, you know, she walks around in underwear half the movie. Cause it's one of those early 2000s softcore porn, but yet not quite porn movies. And just candy neck killing people. Mm-hmm. Going, I'm from L.A. I love it. <laughs> For an hour and a half. So, yeah. <laughs> it's not good. It's just, that's why I, wow. I, I end with part two. 
uh, Day of the Dead just is virtually unwatchable. That's why I ended with this one. But um, so yeah, Thibodeau dies, obviously. And what do the police think? Uh, Ethan, your sister fucking did it. Tell us why she did it. How does she have superhuman strength, Ethan? How did she manage to kill that person with bees? And then throw them, throw them. Yeah, I was going to say, how did she summon a whole hive of bees? <laughs> yeah. But, well, Ethan but it's know. her. Yeah. Ethan doesn't know, so the detective's like, all right, you want a fucking Candyman? I'll give you Candyman. And he says the name five times, yeah. and what happens? Candyman just immediately shows up and then guts Boom. him. Just, this is one of those times where Candyman's like, oh, somebody's calling. Got to go. And then he just jumps in <laughs> to the police station, guts the detective, <laughs> kills him. And then Ethan's like, oh, shit, this is going to get pinned on me. So what does he do? He fucking runs down the stairs, not stopping, even when the cop says, I'm going to shoot you. And what does he do? He, he gets shot to death by a cop. <laughs> Just stop, turn around, Ethan. Just get down your knees and say, I swear to God, I didn't do it. Watch the tape. And that's what the detective does in the next room. The black detective's like, I'm going to watch that tape. Whoa, look at that. He's floating in the air. And Ethan's oh, cowering up here and screaming, not Candyman. That, that, that spoiled ass poor kid just got raised up in the air like a motherfucking got gutted <laughs> while our boy was standing in the corner like a bitch going, oh fuck, oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I I do like the fact that the, the other police officers saw the video and knew mm-hmm. of the guy yeah. innocent. Yet yeah. at the same time, rather than go to the apartment complex, and making, like, a full-on announcement. Like, doesn't she think, like, hey, maybe I should show a bunch of other officers in the police department this video, and then we can call in on our CBs, don't look to arrest these people. Some crazy shit is going on. (laughs) Then we wouldn't have a movie. That would make sense. <laughs> that would make sense, cool. But then we wouldn't have the whole, you know, moment for a, you know, female exposition and female bonding going, you know, hey, I saw that shit going down. And yeah, your brother was totally innocent and some weird shit. You better get the fuck out of here, bitch. We wouldn't have that moment. No, no but we do get Annie confronting her mom Octavia about it. Her mom's like, ah, Candyman isn't real. Candyman isn't real. And none of this is real. not related to him. Stop saying that name. And Dad didn't do it, and I didn't do it. And, you know, and then Candyman yeah, shows up. Yeah, but Grandma did it. I love how Candyman enters the room in this sequence because all of a sudden it's just a guest, and Candyman's standing right behind Octavia, you know, just with that hook to her stomach. You know, and he's like, oh, shit. All right, he's real. Okay, uh, Annie, real talk. Uh, I, I, was, I was lying. He's fucking real. Can you make him go away? Can you just make it go away? No? Hey, Grandpa. Okay. How you doing? <laughs> you smell like honey. Hello, Octavia. Did you get my present from two years ago? Yes. There's another box filled with blood. Thank you. I got like a ton in my closet right now. Uh, I, I wasn't sure if you got it. I wasn't sure if you got it because I didn't get a thank you note. So I wasn't sure if you got it, you know, because of an etiquette, you're supposed to send a thank you note for all the presents given. I swore it was in the mail, Candyman. You, you could have called to say thank you, Grandpa. Uh. <laughs> yeah. And she ends up being oh, killed by I don't by say Candyman. thank you to the black people. <laughs> oh, thank you, Ghoul. Thank you, yeah. 
Yeah, because yeah. so, again, yeah, this has to be admitted. Yeah, it was definitely there. But at the same time, it was. I also threw, took this as a just her kill real quick. It's just everyone else gets gutted, and yet somehow, for some reason, I don't know why, her kill, you just get a blood spot on the front. For, yeah. I, like, I, again, I don't know if it was because we only yeah. have so much screen time for blood. You know, guarantee that's what it was. Because yeah. you do see the blood yeah. starting to blossom and like flower on her shirt, and then she falls to the floor and uh, grasping for the alarm. So, you know, and she's like, oh, I'm I so t- sorry. And he's like, dude, don't be a fucking snitch. What the fuck? Nah, you know how I actually took this? I actually took this as he kills her gently because she's mm, family. Okay, yep. Like family. He's, he's oh. killing her because of the because denial. She's family. But she, but yes, like like Vin Diesel would would do it. You know, he's he's killing her softly with his hook, um, and uh, and that that's how I kind of took it because it was almost like a uh, a, a loving embrace. A how he like killer. killed her with the hook from behind. Yeah, it was kind of like, listen, you know, you done did me wrong by denying, but you are my great. My great great granddaughter, my great granddaughter. Yeah, I guess it would be his great granddaughter. Yeah, right. Great granddaughter. Yeah, his daughter yeah. was her grandmother. Yeah. Yes. So Isabel. Make him. Yeah, Isabel was her grandmother. So yeah, he would be her great grandfather. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's there. He, he's into it. Um, Ooh, so that's <laughs> Yeah. But after Octavia is killed and she hits the alarm like a snitch as she is. Because she's telling a ghost <laughs> that could fucking disappear. And he runs out of there, are meets up. Ditches go in ditches. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> but she does meet up with the detective, the, the black detective who saw the video, and she's like, oh, yeah, shit's real, man. Like, that, your brother's dead, by the way, but, man, we were so wrong. Oof, sorry about that. Our bad. Bitch, Here's run. Here's a good run. Costco. <laughs> Bitch, run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give you a pass. So you just kind of go with it, and I'll just say I didn't see anybody. So she goes back to the, the childhood home and realizes of course. that that mirror has got to be in the slave quarters because that's where Daniel Robitaille had his affair. And this is where things get fucking lazy for the Candyman. Because oh, he shows up in the slave quarters, and that's where Matthew was. And she finds Matthew, and she's like, oh, my God, this is so great. Like, I found you. We can get out of here. But first, like, you know, Candyman's here, and I have to destroy him once and for all. And he's like, hello, Annie. We have to go and sing the song of misery. Oh, by the way, that mirror, total source of all my power. Don't break it, otherwise I die. Are we cool? That's my only rule. Don't break the mirror. And then we're just oh, oh, fine. Oh. oh, wait. How about the fact that she, she grew up in that house, right? That's the house she grew yeah. up in. So yep. those slave quarters were there all that time while she was growing up. Yes, they were. Apparently with, with skeletons decorating it still. Yes. You know, because there were decrepit corpses laying around within these slave quarters. So I guess, you know, the couple hundred years or so that they could have cleaned that fucking thing out, they just decided to live there anyway and not bother taking a look. Yeah, yeah. priorities. They yeah. collapse. They're not going in there. That's fine. But So yeah, he, he explains that the mirror is, is a source of all power, and if you break it, he's going to die. He's also a great pregnancy test because he's like, hey, got another surprise for you. You're pregnant, girl. Yeah. And she's like, oh, oh shit. Oh. <laughs> hey, you are the daddy. Annie <laughs> Man Guess what, Annie? It's also a girl. <laughs> you going to have yourself a girl, girl. 
let's celebrate before I kill you and take you to the afterlife. And she's like, I don't know. Oh, shit. And he's like, oh, no. Well, it's fine. We can talk about it later. But just don't. (laughs) I really feel like one of the drafts of this film had it where he's like either the father or like, you know what I mean? Like the idea is is that Mm -hmm. like his spirit was going to go into this child. And like that, that's where they were gonna go. But then they were like, "Oh, wait a minute! They they did that with Nightmare on Elm Street Five, and that didn't work out very well." <laughs> it, it was horrible. So we have to do it a different way here. So what we're gonna do? Yep, we're gonna fucking just do it. We're gonna break the mirror, and we're gonna have the worst fucking CGI moment I've ever seen. But it's '95, so it's Woo-hoo! forgiven. <laughs> well, oh, that's, that's green screen though. That's not CGI. It's, that's green screen. They're doing some like. Yeah. Army of Darkness level green screening here. This yeah. is like, you know, the Evil yeah. Dead 2 green screen. It's fantastic. <laughs> I love it. I thought it was so yeah. funny. It was like the Wizard of Oz. That fucking thing goes ah, spinning off here. like into the river. I was like, look at it go. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> that's like straight up fucking war. Warlock, the what they did right frozen. there. <laughs> like, I was expecting his, like, him to like burst into a bunch of bees, you know, because that's his thing. But no, he burst into ice. I was like, somebody get the syrup and make a snow cone out of this candy man. Because he just exploded. Oh, no. So we could eat candy. It was glass. It's glass. 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 It was supposed oh, to be glass. 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 Uh, <laughs> Shark glass. Because, because uh, of yeah. the mirror. Because he was right. trapped oh. in the glass. Makes <laughs> more sense. But still, he, he bursts. He explodes. Mardi Gras is over. Now it's time for Lent and Ash Wednesday. So we have Ellis, you know, giving the, the, the cross to the foreheads of Annie and Matthew and they kind of go hand-in-hand, hand, skipping down the street. You want to go get snow coats? Hell yeah. That place doesn't have an odor anymore. <laughs> let's go hit Tiffano. <laughs> oh, wait. He died. <laughs> let's, let's try but another room uh, place. <laughs> no. But then we do a, a, a time jump where we have Annie with her daughter, Caroline, aptly named. You know, and she's sitting in bed, and they're talking and having a good story before nap time. And she's looking through the scrapbook and looking at the photos, and she's like, well, who's that man? Oh, well, that's Daniel Robitaille. Who that? He's a part of the family. Who like, that? I'm sorry, but you just fucking killed that man, and you have a picture of him in the scrapbook? That should be the next movie, Candy Man Kills Her. Get for this. Well, no, <laughs> the, the, the idea now is with, with the destruction of the character, she can at least honor who he was within yeah. her family. You know what I mean? Exactly. Previously, that was a mystery. Nobody yeah. obviously ever asked who, uh, you know, great grandma fucking Isabel's parenting was. You know, they they knew who Caroline was, I guess, but they just didn't know who the daddy was. Yeah, She's and you know, I'm, I, and I'm with the ghoul of that. That was her way of respecting the family line and just acknowledging everyone that was in the family. You know, and going, yes, mm-hmm. he was your grandfather. And that was the big grudge of Candyman was, you know, not being acknowledged. Like Roman Reigns. Right. Now, how does, the kid, how does the kid know to call him Candyman? That's the thing. Yes. How does he you know? know? I would how think does he you, know to say I think you would talk to him as, this is Grandpa Daniel. This is Grandpa, you know, great, 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 grandpa, Robitaille, something like that. He ain't saying this is great, 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 great grandpa Candyman. Yeah, this is your old pop-pop candy man. He got his hand hacked <laughs> off by a bunch of white people, and he killed a lot of people. And uh, if you say his name five times in the mirror, he comes out and visits you and gives you candy. <laughs> you know? So she even told Caroline, that's a story for another day when you're much, much older. So, again, like the girl said, how the fuck would she know candy man? 
But she only gets the four before uh, Annie runs in and goes, ah, we're not going to say that. (laughs) Yeah, but but again, it was just for the hook. No pun intended. Yeah, literally. (laughs) But yeah, but yeah, like I said, it uh, you know, and and as well, and again, part three, a couple years later, uh, I don't think I'm ever going to talk about that movie on the show. So you guys are safe. But but it's out there if you guys want to check it out. It's Candyman Farewell of the Flesh. It's just double the kills, little story, and he's now in Los Angeles for some reason. Like they they just constantly keep changing. No, wasn't this, this was Farewell to the Flesh? What was the what was the oh Day of the third Dead one? Day of the Dead part. Day is dead. So yeah, I'm sorry. Day of the Dead is part three. So yeah, that's uh you know, it's again they they change his origin story again. They change how he was killed again. You know, still with the hook, but just like a different story. It's like yeah, you know, we'll change it around. People won't remember that movie from '95. You know, people oh yeah, moving that too. You know, there's no impact on that whatsoever. But, yeah. All right. So anyway, it's, a, it's, a, it's the 90s. We can change it around. As they do. So, Monkey, next week is your pick. What do you got for us? It is my pick, yes. And, cool, we are rectifying things because you, motherfucker, you need to see a movie that you have not seen. And we are going with the V Swing. Hey, because okay. you, you need to see this movie. So, we are going our adjacent. I am saying adjacent. So bear with me when you watch this movie, because again, this is not horror. This is not straight horror. We are going horror no. adjacent. I am being quite what, clear what about was that the movie right again? now. The Witches the of Eastwick. The Witches ah. of Eastwick. <laughs> if you say the numbers of time, fucking, you know, Cher's going to come to the mirror and kill us. I don't think we can say it that many times. <laughs> but it is on the Max if you guys want to watch along at home. Uh, which is a week which is on HBO Max to watch for free. That's tight. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Yeah, 1987. Witches of Eastwick, only because the Dean brought up that whole thing last week. That was going to be a reboot. About how he and the Dean have not seen it. And this is a movie that they must see. So we are going horror days and not straight up horror. So, yes, that's what we're going to do. Yes. Well, only if we could do Death Becomes Her one day. I'll second you know uh-huh. what movies were. <laughs> All right, so that is next week for the monkey, uh, Witches of Eastwick from nineteen eighty seven. Thank you so much for that pick that we look forward to talking about next week and sign yourself off, Monkey. Yep, we're running out of time. All right, thanks for listening to tonight's episode of Tongue Terror. Good night, everybody. Mwah. All right. And anything you want to say to close out the show, girl? Stay scared. Stay scared. Stay scared. Stay scared. Stay scared. No, don't do it. Oh, he did. Now the he's in my living room with baguettes and wine and yelling at me. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dean. Yes, I know. I know you like wine. Hello. Grateful Dead. And you like baguettes. Hi. Yes. Stop it, Dean. I have baguettes. You, did, you said stay scared in the mirror five times, and now I got to deal with the Dean for a weekend. He's going to just fucking bitch at everything I watch. Oh, Make little Pedantic, are we? <laughs> yeah. Can we watch something French to go with my vino? I don't have anything French. I don't want to watch a child's play. Oh, a little immature, are we, this weekend? Having to watch a child's play? Haven't you watched that enough? Let me make... Wouldn't you like to watch the food for 75? Let oh, me make you a fine. coffee. It's only going to take an hour or so for me to get it to you. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
It's the candy Holy bean. fuck. <laughs> oh, no, it's the candy bean. It doesn't come with a hook. It comes with a baguette. And it takes an hour and a half to make coffee. You're never going to get caffeinated. No! You so screwed now. Candy bean. Coming to a theater this summer. Yes. Now that's a movie. All right, everybody. Uh, keep America strong. Watch horror movies. Don't say Candy Dean in the mirror five times. Hail Satan. Hail no. others. Hail yourselves. And thank you for being our victims this week. <laughs> <laughs>